Hello and welcome to the Hybrid Podcast. Uh, today's episode is a culmination of the Sleep Trilogy. Uh, not a culmination, that is the wrong word. It is a compendium of the Sleep Trilogy. Uh, so this comprises all three episodes in one place. Uh, so if you have listened to them all and would just like to hear them all back to back, then this is for you. Or if you haven't listened to the others individually, um, this is an excellent place to hear it all together with all those excellent pills of wisdom that I'm sure we came up with. A um, couple of things just to go over before we get cracking. The handstand workshop at Sweatbox is this weekend. If you are listening to this on the uh, week before the 26th of October. Uh, that kicks off at one o'clock, Sweatbox in Bristol. Still a few tickets left if you want to do that. And the hybrid Winter Games is still on the 7th of December. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for more details on that. I think that is everything. Uh, please enjoy this full compendium of the Sleep Trilogy. Cue epic Lord of the Rings S music. Just not the Lord of the Rings, nice. but enjoy. So, back to the day. Back to the day is going to be uh, related to sleep. Mm. So, I'm going to tying in with the sleep mini series. <laughs> What How animal? many episodes does a series of anything have to have <laughs> to no longer be a mini-series? Um, oh, that's a good question. How many how many episodes do it need to be a mini-series? Up to two. I think two would still be a mini-series. Do you think? No, that would be a two-part special, I think. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe seen, we should maybe do it should a be... two-part special. On <laughs> I've never seen a mini-series that is two episodes, but no. I've certainly seen mini-series that are more. Well, yeah. about three. Three episodes is a mini series. I, I think three, three is, four is. I, I would think, say five I think is. Five and upwards is. I I would say is a series. I have not seen a series with five episodes, however. Yeah. Have you? BBC is always six, isn't mm. it? I'll find one. <laughs> <laughs> they might be wrong in their classification of it as a series, though. Okay. Back to the day. <laughs> uh, which animal sleeps the longest, do you think? Oh, I know the answer to this one. Does this include, is that just like normal circadian rhythm sleep or? In a 24 hour cycles? period, um, which what? animal sleeps the longest? Uh, you. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of shrew. No, they must be fairly active for like a shrew. I don't even know what a shrew is. I like mice, but little. Is it a fruit bat? Is that right? Ah, uh, it's a koala. Ah, uh, yeah, koalas eat a really uh, <laughs> a source of food that has hardly any energy in it. Yeah, so pretty much all they do is eat shit and sleep, mm-hmm. and they don't have any energy to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's bad evolution, I'd say. Well, it's got a misfire. <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm, not very I mean, energetic. Can you imagine that, an energetic koala that has kept them alive? Do you reckon? I'm interested how long fruit bats sleep. What did you say? Is it that or their cuteness that has kept them alive? I think mm. fruit bats. I heard on the ebook that I'm listening to is 19 hours mm. in so a 24 hour period. So a koala is 22 hours. Whoa! 
I think as well. What are the koalas the ones that hang upside down? No, no they're sloths. Sloth, oh, sloths, yeah. Because mm. they have a really weird digestive tract. Yeah. I think like they just goat, do everything they... so slowly, though, mm. don't they? Because they're not necessarily sleeping, they're just it's like sloughing. Sloughing. A koala's 22 hours a day. So, which animal sleeps the least? These are obviously the facts, but asked in a Ooh. question format. Fish of some sort does live in the sea. Uh, jellyfish, not a jellyfish. Some kind of whale. Not a whale. No. Squid. Um, <laughs> this could be long. There's many yeah. things that live in the sea. So apparently, we have to guess all of them. A walrus sleeps the least in a 24-hour period. It can go up to 84 hours without sleeping. But they, when they do sleep, they actually sleep for about 90 hours. Hmm. I suppose they like go between icebergs and stuff, don't they? Maybe they have to. Can they sleep like, in the water? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say no, because they, they breathe air, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they also have the second longest penis of any animal. Who's got the longest? Blue whale. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm surprised that the walrus got the second longest. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There are other whales that are large. I think showed me a picture of. That's a massive penis relative to body. They're also the biggest penis relative to body. No, that's uh, Ruddy Duck, I believe. Ruddy Duck? The Ruddy Duck, the one with the spiralised penis. Mm. I think lots of ducks, but I think the Ruddy Duck specifically has the longest thick uh, to body ratio. <laughs> Ducks. Ducks have savage dicks, to be fair. Yeah. Like spiky corkscrews that, yeah, it's not nice. Yeah. And, the, and it's the duck's vagina is pretty gross. Yeah, it's well. like a reverse corkscrew. Yeah. Basically, duck woman. <laughs> <laughs> duck mating rituals involve gang rape as yeah. well. It's rude. So all, all, all quite unpleasant. How do they, horrid. do they have well, to yeah, twist it to they go in? To, they twist, twist it in, and then once it's in, the female. Basically clamps the bloke, can't go anywhere until she's got her fix. Um, he basically rapes her in the first place, and then she keeps him mm. until she's done or got her semen. Oh. It's one of the most, dis- I don't know how that was <laughs> selected for. <laughs> Sometimes I question nat- natural selection for the- that reason. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Penis. Like how how did it go from <laughs> normal normal penis into vagina? Nah, spirals better. Yeah. I want it to be more painful for me. Harder to get away from. Make me more vulnerable to predators while I'm doing it. Maybe the duck males just kept trying to put it in and then pull out and leave. <laughs> kept trying gang rape and not staying long enough. <laughs> Odd. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But that's how ducks do it, so don't judge. Right then, sleep. 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 How did we go from animals sleeping to duck penises? Walrus penis. And then uh, talk walrus about sleep, walrus penis, <laughs> obviously yeah. duck penises, duck gang rape. Clearly. Uh, so, sleep. 
Very important. Very important. What's um, where's your favourite nap spot? Uh, still my bed. Your bed. Mm. I, I like to nap anywhere, but if I like had to choose, I would choose to nap in my bed. Mm. Sofa's the best nap spot in there. I feel like bed's like a very structured nap spot. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's where I go when I'm like, right, this is time for a nap. Sofa's like a really nice nap when you're just like watching something, you fall asleep. That's my my favorite kind of like nap is when you're. Not meaning to know. Watching something really comfortable and you just go to sleep and it's raining outside. Yeah. I like on a Sunday dribble. afternoon. I love like dribble when you nap. I love waking up from a nap and having dribble all down my chin. Best nap is when there's football on TV and it's a game that it's just like for West, sure. West Brom against Sunderland. <laughs> I, and you, for and, sure and you're like, sleeping gonna, is I'm the gonna, better thing to do while football is on. I'm going to watch this because I've got it on TV and you put it on and five minutes in you're asleep and then wake up and the game's basically finished you think that was a great use of my time <laughs> much better than watching West Bromby Sunderland mm. boring game that's just no that's just a boring game mate best way to spend football time yep asleep <laughs> uh, so we know that sleep is very important because we spend up to 36% of our entire lives doing it how much? 36% so, a lot so long so if you live to like 90, it'd be 32 years you spent asleep. In a semi-coma-like state. Yeah, it's quite funny. <laughs> Tom uh, said in the book of why we sleep, there's a really funny story in there. There is. Um, Not yeah. story, actually. <laughs> this, is, this is real life. Analogy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, if you um, imagine you're in the hospital, you just had a baby, and the doctor comes in and says to you, your baby's perfectly healthy, but... Uh, they're going to spend probably a third, maybe half of their time in a coma-like state, unresponsive to anything in the outside world. Um, but they're fine. Just here you go, take them home, and, and that's it. You'd be like, "What the? What? What do you mean? <laughs> My baby's broken." Can <laughs> give them back? I want another one. But yeah, that's uh, that's sleep. So, because we spend so much time asleep, it must be very important. Um, but we don't actually know why we sleep. It, yeah, interesting. No, it's very interesting. We don't actually know for sure, like why we sleep and why it's so, like such an important part of uh, animal behaviour. It's been baffling science scientists thousands for, of years, for centuries. <laughs> yeah, it uh, is. It is an odd like thing to like. We've obviously evolved. Everything has evolved to need a certain amount of sleep, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it is odd that, considering how sort of vulnerable you are in that time, that there's no other way around it. Like sleep is a lot, obviously like massively important. It's like it's why it's it's happened, I guess. Yeah. So there's a couple of like main reasons that are uh, things that are probably happen when we sleep that are really important. So there's some level of like rejuvenation that happens. There's some genes in your brain that actually only activate at all while you're asleep, and they're genes that are responsible for things like replicating DNA and um, sort of combating things like like different oxidative stress and uh, destroying free radicals. So that is probably a big part of the reason why we sleep. And it's also um, like when we sleep and dream is a massive part of how we consolidate our memories and go about learning new skills, which is sort of shown by how poor people are at learning uh, skills or 
like memory task is so um, negatively impacted when they do sleep deprivation studies? Yeah, the um, <clears throat> there's some excellent studies where they take they sleep deprived people for like two hours, four hours, and they'll give them uh, memory tests, and the performance detriment for not sleeping is so unbelievable. And I always think like I did all nighters before exams. <laughs> <laughs> That's 10% yeah. of your exam. <laughs> I did really well. Yeah. You're I mean, something like, um, I, I don't quite know how, like, but you're something like three but three like times better at solving problems when you're not sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs> it is absolutely crazy. Yeah. All nights for exams are not the one. You should definitely do your revision before that <laughs> and not leave yourself open to needing to do an all nighter. But there's a um, really interesting, uh, so you were saying about sleep is used, well, one of the theories of why, why sleep is so important is because it sort of like heals your DNA. Yeah. Um, there was a really interesting study in zebrafish, and what's quite cool about zebrafish is their skin is sort of like... Um, I thought zebrafish for a second was some sort of magazine. <laughs> <laughs> there was a study done in zebrafish. <laughs> they're, they're like skin is that you can sort of see through it a little bit so um you can almost like if you give them certain uh compounds that like you can see some of the movements of their neurons and um basically all the double strand breaks of their dna were getting healed as they were sleeping and um so that's one of the clear signs that sleep is actually repairing like um dna that gets damaged during the day and it, and it builds up in the brain which is just crazy, isn't it? Like, you think, like, every day you're just like creating all this damage in your brain yeah. just by being like, awake and alive. And then by not getting sufficient sleep every night, you just continue to have this damage. And so it's like not a surprise that not getting enough sleep has such a massive impact just on everything, like from your mental health to your physical health to like your your expected um, your life expectancy literally like every single house you can think of more sleep well not getting enough sleep will yeah. affect it yeah and, 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 and you will literally have more broken bits of DNA in your brain mm. that sounds like a terrible way to spend <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's um, that's where some of the stuff like the studies with sleep are really hard to sort of pull apart because it's really it's quite easy to say and we'll go over now some of like the negative impacts of not sleeping enough but it's really hard to say that actually sleeping has positive impacts so it's really it's really easy to like Mm. find correlation between not sleeping and being unhealthy but then it's really hard to figure out exactly how much sleep we need and how much getting the sleep does actually reverse the negative impact because like like you said it's lack of sleep does negatively impact um that but we don't know how much Mm -hmm. positive uh impact actually like getting enough sleep does have yeah that makes sense some of the studies are really hard to like actually figure out yeah that's true actually because if you take so if you take someone getting perfect sleep every night as 100 percent, you couldn't expect better than that no and obviously plenty of people who do sleep enough do still get ill it's not that it's like makes you invincible but there, there, there are such clear um negatives to not getting enough sleep yeah 
there's literally there is pretty much no aspect of like health and lifestyle that doesn't seem to be negatively impacted by sleep deprivation in the short term or the, the long term. So there's, there's sort of two different things um, that you often think about when uh, we talk about sleep deprivation. We've got like our health and like um, like diseases and stuff, like chronic diseases that are associated with uh, lack of sleep. And then also um, like maybe they're more in a the short term like mental performance and like your ability to, to sort of do tasks after so if we go over some of the stuff um with like sleep and the impacts it has on your health we've got like short-term deprivation studies that have shown that even just like a night or two of sleep deprivation um can have impacts on like your mood blood pressure your um like information levels your ability to process glucose and it's like really, really interesting just how how much of an impact like even a short term effect um, like sleep deprivation can have. Yeah, so there's um there's one study that looked at uh, sleep deprivation and its impact on um, leptin. So leptin is this hormone that's produced by your by your fat cells that has a massive impact on your appetite really. So it's, so so it has a massive impact on your sort of like on how easy you'll find it to lose body fat. So, <clears throat> just as a little aside, uh, when you start dieting, your leptin is at, let's say, 100%. Uh, after a week of like 25 or 30% caloric restriction, your leptin sort of halves, so it does not scale with, um, it's not like you've lost half your body fat and your leptin's half, it's like you've been in a deficit for seven days and your leptin has dropped right down. And as a result of that, your appetite's going to be a little bit higher, your desire to move is going to be a little bit lower. Um, and so that negatively impacts how easy it is to lose body fat. So if you think that the, always the first week or two weeks of a diet are a lot easier than subsequent weeks, and a large part of that will certainly be to do with the fact that you had leptin at the start of it, and then it sort of like dropped off towards towards um, like quite quickly as soon as you started dieting. Um, but so... Really interesting study that took uh, people. It was a crossover design as well, so both people got both elements. Um, took um, people dieted them down, thirty percent deficit for seven days, and their leptin halved, which is obviously a massive drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It then sleep deprived them um, from again. So, so took another group of people sleep deprived those people. And their leptin after I think it was three hours sleep deprivation for one night also had leptin. Their leptin dropped by the same amount, mm -hmm. which is like unbelievable. So three hours sleep deprivation <laughs> is the equivalent of seven days semi-starvation, <laughs> which is what a diet is, right? Like yeah, yeah. Like just correct. Just, so if you think about how that impacts, um, just like what 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 that actually means in terms of how you feel. So you would be higher, like once you've dieted for seven days quite harshly, you will be more attuned to higher rewarding, more palatable foods. Like that's just like your brain's more active to seek out those things because you've been essentially starving. You are, your desire to move is reduced um, and your <clears throat> appetite is also increased. So if you think about those three things from, from an energy, 
um, okay, ba balance. energy balance perspective, every one of those things will negatively impact your ability to lose body fat. It doesn't mean that you can't lose body fat. It just makes it harder. So, um, or makes it more likely that you'll put on body fat, not just yeah. exactly right. So, it makes it, it it just literally makes it so much harder for you to adhere to any sort of like maintaining decent energy balance. And so, three hours sleep deprivation will is very very likely. Um, like Di said, then if you think about it, it makes you want to move less, want to eat more, and want to eat more food that tastes really really good you are really going to struggle to not do those things so you're that's after one night though. after one yeah. night yeah. so that next day you're going to be probably your the chances that you will accrue more body fat the next day really really high mm. like really really high so just like acutely you'll probably have more body fat if you don't sleep as much did they study people who are in a deficit and had sleep deprivation uh, good question. Because um, it'd be interesting to see, like, obviously, if your leptin's already reduced fifty percent after seven days, and then you have more sleep dep deprivation, I assume it does drop. But would, like, yeah, would yeah, it yeah. drop to the same extent? Well, it definitely would drop a little, a little bit more. <laughs> it'd be um, interesting to see, like, a two in combination. Yeah, I'd be savage. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it'd be so hard. Yeah, it's why, like, especially if someone's going through a phase where they are trying to drop body fat, specifically as the goal. Yeah. Um, so they're cutting calories anyway. Anyway, like one of the most important things you can probably do is make sure that you are getting enough sleep, mm -hmm. so you're not compounding the issue. Yeah, over time anyway. Which is obviously yeah. um, that's that's part of the reason uh, why whenever I work one to one people, I always try and get them to save a decent chunk of their calories till the evening, mm. so they actually could go to bed kind well having had a decent chunk of food because there's a good chance that's going to enhance how well you sleep in the evening. Um, so you can actually get adequate sleep. Mm -hmm. So going to bed really hungry generally is a bad idea for sleeping. Mm -hmm. Not fun either. No. I hate it, Matt. Yeah. It's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? Um, you, you sort of like the main effects there being on uh, some of the hormones involved. So you, was it just leptin they studied, Matt? Well, they so, well, so they studied ghrelin as well? well in, in that study they didn't, but le um, leptin and ghrelin are basically opposites. opposites, right? So like you can, if you get a decrease in leptin that's certainly going to yield an increase in ghrelin and vice versa yeah. so like when you're um just when you're at maintenance calories let's say so energy in and energy out are the same your ghrelin and your leptin are going to be at whatever level they're at now let's say that we were to decrease calories your ghrelin would spike upwards to make you more hungry and your leptin would go downwards um, to try and like conserve a little bit of body fat. Likewise, if the reverse happened and you ate more than you needed, um, in fact, your leptin wouldn't actually go upwards. And this is part of the reason why we see obesity is quite a big problem. Your body does not fight you anywhere near as hard for fat gain as it does for fat loss. So the, the, the things that, that switch when you start to eat more energy than you need are generally for most people nowhere near as robust and responsive as keeping you um, trying to keep you with body fat because from an evolutionary perspective that makes sense if you have more body fat you're probably going to live that's fine if you have less you might die mm -hmm. um, it's, it's those changes if you think about those studies that I just talked about being the 
the impacts of those being so significant just from one night sleep deprivation. It's not particularly surprising that then um, longer term like population studies have shown that you're roughly 50% more likely to actually end up being obese if you uh, habitually sleep for less than five hours a day, mm -hmm. which is like a big, big difference. And it's probably um, due to the compounding effects of those hormones uh, from being consistently sleep deprived. Yeah. So you're just always seeking out more food. Yeah always going to struggle to be as full always going to not want to do much exercise it's a yeah. terrible combination <laughs> for maintaining good body composition yeah yeah like like you said earlier mate the sort of splitting off kind of health and lifestyle <clears throat> the sort of the stuff you notice is the short is the short term isn't it it's like you feel tired the next day you sort of actively don't want to move it, this is just off with like one or two bad sort of bad night's sleep yeah um like behavior change mood change that sort of stuff like that's the stuff we really notice but it's the long-term stuff that comes as a result of doing that this stuff for a, a long period of time that is is really the issue that a lot of people are sort of i i guess when you when you're fairly young you can get away with thinking oh it's, it's all right i'd like I, I'm, I'm okay on this and then suddenly you get to like mid 30s 40 and you've actually like piled on a load of weight your memory mm. shit like all these sort of st other health issues start coming yeah, in yeah. of course it's like it's really <laughs> easy for um so before we go on like some of them some of the negative effects it's root it may be worth talking about how easy it is to end up being a little bit sleep deprived over time because it's not like anyone is going out of their way to only sleep three or four hours a night mm -hmm. but it's so easy to like cut into your sleep mm -hmm. by spending half hour actually on your phone when you get into bed and you just end up scrolling for like half hour or even like an hour is easy to do yeah but it's an hour less that you've slept that night so that's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's like You've got to get up fairly early. So my my getting up time is always five o'clock because that's I got to be in the gym to coach at six. So to get a solid eight hours, I've got to be pretty much asleep by nine o'clock, mm -hmm. which isn't really doable. But even if I'm trying to get into bed at nine, if I spend half hour on my phone every night, I'm starting to accrue like a really solid bit of sleep deprivation yeah. by the time the week's out. So this it can happen really really easy, um, and it's those like little habits that add up just going to bed like half an hour later watching one episode of something just more like just starts adding up over the course of the week and it's the same as like people uh making really small um like seemingly insignificant choices in their nutrition and they and then ending up overweight after years of compounding that like always having a piece of cake at like uh an office party or something mm -hmm. like that and these things like end up compounding it's like little choices it's not necessarily that no one obviously goes out of their way to constantly go and eat burgers and like make themselves overweight and no one's going out of their way to like constantly and purposely sleep deprive themselves are they it's just like the compounding effect of loads of little habits so it's something that most people end up doing and mm -hmm. can watch out for yeah for sure it's, it's the in a world where your time is like generally everyone's so busy yep. really really limited anyway to find time for you to chill on your own actually becomes quite hard. And so that time generally for almost everybody is in the evening. So you so it's almost like you feel deprived and like you're getting a little bit robbed of your own personal free time. If you can, I oh, just want to watch this one episode. And it's like, because, I, because I've not had any time for myself all day. And that's... Like you, fair you, way to you, feel, you like really yeah. and, and, and like you absolutely do need that time, um, but you certainly will not 
like it like like it will eat it, almost everyone's got a wake time that is predetermined by work and so if you take your wake time and then minus eight hours from that that is the time that you should be going go really going to sleep so let not even going to bed and like that is really really hard to do really hard and we'll go over like amount of sleep and like practical ways of getting it in potentially in like other episodes but it's worth actually keeping in mind like it it's worth talking about because it's so actually hard to get enough sleep mm-hmm. yeah so and if we go on with some more of the negative effects um just like the chronic disease effects in terms of like diabetes you're sort of you're up to three times more likely again it's that five hour like threshold if you aren't sleeping five hours a night habitually you're three times more likely to develop type 2 uh, diabetes which is a significant sort of risk factor for that um, again the, the five hour sort of cut off point seems to like be quite important when we're talking about things like um, immune function you're something like three times more likely to get the cold mm-hmm. The cold. The cold. The cold. The cold. The cold. I'm saying going the round. cold because I think I, I have it almost. So you got the cold at the moment. Yeah, I've not been sleeping. I actually haven't <laughs> that much. Um, and also it's the same, so that five-hour cut-off point, you are 15% more risk of all causes of mortality <laughs> at any point. Yeah, including shark attack. <laughs> you are more likely to be eaten by a shark if you're asleep. Before. But you actually are because your reaction yeah. time yeah. is slower. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Ma- more likely to make bad decisions. <laughs> swimming in shark infested waters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You also look much more likely. To... <laughs> I imagine in shark infested waters there are signs to say these waters are yeah. shark infested. Maybe. I don't know if like. Mm-hmm. I'd be you so mad. Out in the ocean. <laughs> what were that shark deep, seeing deep you? In the oh, there's no signs. <laughs> Why weren't there signs? Well, no, like, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't have swam if there was a sign. Well, no, can you imagine if you're like going on jumping off like these like rocks into deep sea? Well, not deep sea, but deep, <laughs> deep enough sea that you don't die when you jump in. Yeah. I'd be so mad if there was a shark in there and it didn't tell me. Have you seen the <laughs> video of the guy cliff jumping in Australia? Uh, He's got a GoPro. No. And he sees a shark. A great white literally swims past him. He's like, it's so terrifying. Oh. I don't want to do that. Why people in Australia insist on going in the ocean baffles me, to be honest, as a side point. Okay, and see. So I'd many go. sharks there. Well, for, go for well, just, just assume that you said you wouldn't go in the sea if you knew it was shark infested. Most of Australia, shark infested. Unless they've got shark nets. Solid chance there's a shark there. Yeah, and then from not like like in sea where you can. That's just where like, that's where most of the shark attacks happen, Alex. They think you're a seal. They think you're an elephant seal. <laughs> yeah, most shark attacks happen in like waist high water. But also, I think it's like Queensland up. It's pretty much like six months a year you can't go in because of the jellyfish and other stuff that'll get you as well. Really? Yeah. <laughs> The, sti- the stingers. They'll get you, mate. <laughs> They'll get you, mate. <laughs> do you reckon we should try and do one episode all, all in Australian accents? <laughs> uh, Maybe we should all do one. No. <laughs> you need like someone to regulate the accents. Yeah. You need like an actual Aussie yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. It's easy if someone is there that you can copy. Easier. Easier. I would easy. <laughs> easier. I'd be excellent at it. <laughs> My accent. Uh repertoire. <laughs> What's the, what's the, um, what's the, 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 what's
Intelligence? No, in, <laughs> not in, not in, um, not intelligence. Uh, imitation. Yeah, yeah. Right, accent imitation is very poor. Mm. I think uh, for some accents, mine is okay, but I can't. It's one of those things that I can't do on demand. How good do you reckon you are yeah. accents on a bad match week? Worse, worse than normal. Sweet, sweet deprived people. I'm three times better if I'm not sleep deprived. <laughs> How likely are you to die of a car crash if you're sleep deprived? Uh, more likely. More likely. Yeah. Much more likely. You know, at some point, uh, or about 30% of people will fall asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. It's quite scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. normal. I've fallen asleep at the wheel before. When I was looking at this from America, there are something like 100,000 uh, car crashes a year that are caused by um, like sleep deprivation, like people being yeah. too tired, basically. You know sleep deprivation is, um, so, 24 hours sleep deprivation, or I think it's 24 hours, these are, these are, I should probably check these or something, but um, is equivalent to a uh, blood alcohol level of like two shots, so your reaction times are like as bad as it would be if you had had, had, had that much alcohol. Yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a full night of, of not sleeping. It's, it's, like, it's like a, a wait, awake for eighteen hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you've got like a doctor um, who's yeah. been awake for like eighteen hours and then does surgery, it's, <laughs> and then has a shot. <laughs> it's the. It's, it's it's like. Would you go to a doctor that's just like, oh, I've just woken up, but I'm gonna have these two whiskeys quick, and then I'm gonna operate on you. You'd be a bit like, ooh, yeah. I'd rather that wasn't the case. Well, I think you need to take the <laughs> <laughs> But for, for, for sleep deprivation, yeah. you're like, it's just like considered normal. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, but I think it's, it's something like 100,000 car crashes a year caused by sleep deprivation and 6,000 in total. Savage. So those signs on the motorway are actually quite important. Yeah. yeah. It's the most horrible yeah. feeling when you feel like you feel that tired when you're driving. It's the most horrible. horrible. But it, it, it is so dangerous. Yeah. Like, but is it? But equally, it's like so common, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You wouldn't. You would never. You wouldn't think about like driving drunk. No, you wouldn't even consider no. it. But you definitely do drive when you're tired and know that you probably shouldn't, mm-hmm. or like you know you're a bit tired. Yeah. And it's probably the same as being a little bit drunk. It is. Yeah. Mm. The reaction time is equally um, as poor. And then. Some of the others we've got like um, mental health. Mental health is a really hard one to sort of like pull apart because all mental health disorders um, have some effect on your sleep. So one of the symptoms of pretty much every single mental health disorder is its impact on your sleep. Mm, so yeah. it's um, there was there's a really interesting TED talk that we'll link in this, but he was talking about a lot of the there's like a massive crossover in the brains of people with. Um, like mental health disorder. I think they were measuring uh, psychosis mm-hmm. um, and the, their brains basically uh, there's, there's this area where that controls sleep in the brain and they almost are like cross-wired so they can't sleep properly so the area that is more active in them or is related to their psychosis just doesn't work properly because it should be helping them sleep but it's not Wow, that's very mm. interesting. Mm. So it's really hard to pull apart if, like, if it's unfortunately inevitable for people um, who are predisposed to getting yeah. some sort of disorder like that, whether or not 
they actually can sleep or if it's sort of like chicken and egg mm-hmm. um maybe they could make the symptoms either not as bad or stop themselves from developing those uh issues if they were able to get sleep but it does seem that unfortunately those disorders are gonna stop them being able to sleep and it'll become a sort of like a vicious cycle that's brutal isn't it mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit though of um do you know why some people have foot fetishes I think you told me this the other day. <laughs> uh, no, but I was heavy uh, horse. I'll tell you my story. <laughs> you show me yours and I'll show you mine. <laughs> okay, so the part of the brain that detects um, like touch on your genitalia really, really close to the same part of the brain that detects touch on, on, on feet. And so in some people, those wires are actually just kind of crossed over and so they are as sexually aroused by feet as they would be by excellent genitalia hmm. which is a bit unfair really because they've got three things to find like well exciting <laughs> you wish you had a foot fetish <laughs> yeah. don't you I wish I had a foot fetish yeah there's loads more things you can like tickle your feet, yeah. feet while you <laughs> you imagine boobs ass feet great excellent <laughs> yeah what was yours um yours is yours is better me and Beck were looking at, we couldn't figure out all the initials in like LGBTQ and there's oh, yeah. loads of new initials. It's basically the alphabet now. Yeah, we couldn't figure them out. Um, and there was K, but K is for kink. And some people identify identify like kink as one of um, those orientations because they, as they include like foot fetishes and all different types of kinky stuff, um, because they can't get aroused if there isn't some element of kink involved. There's like people who literally aren't would thought they were asexual because they didn't find sex like appealing um, until there was some element of kink involved. So what what can what what consider what is classed as kink? Just in, like whatever you think is kinky basically. That's why I think most people disagree that it is one of like should be LGBTQ I I don't think. <laughs> I think that's, that's quite a good name. LGBTQIPPAK. Don't know, dear mate. LGBTQIAPK. Yes, I'm so liberal. You just added in one extra. You added an extra P, I think. Anyway, so that is why sleep is really, really important. Kind of important to get those eight hours, isn't it? The fact of the day. Tom Morgan. Okay. So, do you know the reason that people do hair of the dog when they got a hangover? I'm honest. Uh, I think whatever the hair of the dog needs to be clarified first. <laughs> so, the hair of the dog is when you drink more alcohol the next morning to try and get rid of your hangover. Wow. That <laughs> like the hardest thing to do, to get rid of a hangover. But there is actually some science behind why it works. Um, so... In any kind of alcoholic drink, the ethanol is obviously alcohol. 
but whenever whenever ethanol is produced, there's also um, things called congeners, which are methanol, acetone, other sort of um, owns. owns, yeah, hmm. <laughs> that are pro- and alls. Don't forget the alls, yeah, <laughs> which are produced, um, which your body basically when it processes it the next day turns it into formaldehyde which is toxic and that's part of the reason that you get a hangover um uh, so having ethanol the next day is actually changes the way you process methanol um so rather than turn it into formaldehyde you actually excrete it through your breath and other other things like that so there is actually evidence to suggest that Doing that might help with a hangover. So there's actually like actually science behind it. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I thought it was just because you get a bit drunk again. Yeah. yeah, that probably helps as well. But <laughs> it's it's why like if people have methanol poisoning, they're given uh, ethanol to help like get rid of it. So do you need much, or would like just one shot do it? Mm, I, I've not tested it to be honest, <laughs> but <laughs> I can test it next Sunday on my stag do. <laughs> Absolutely terrified about it. Um petrified of that day <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it one iota do you want to be sick with me I've considered getting really sick beforehand <laughs> giving myself actual quite severe food poisoning so I don't yeah. have to go where can we go for that <laughs> just eat some partly cooked food and hope for the best yeah right, I'm in <laughs> that like Tom, Tom can't to wait to go Tom's such a lad <laughs> I'd much rather get food poisoning and try and sweep it off, personally. I actually would too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. If you if you gave me two options now, I'd go. I'll take a day of food poisoning over my own stag do. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fun. Isn't it? No, not not at all. I'm gonna lose sleep. I'm gonna get really hungover. <laughs> no positives will come from Sunday. Um. Right then. On with the podcast. So circadian rhythms, very important. What are they, Ali? Um, I was actually going to do a fact on the lowest drinking age in Europe. Oh, let's let's go for the facts then. Yeah, more drinking. drinking. How old do you reckon the lowest drinking age in Europe is? Fifteen. Thirteen. Sixteen. Oh. In Italy. Italy. Correct. Hmm. Is it the same in Spain? Mm, not sure. However, moving on now. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, circadian rhythms are... What are they, did you say? Yeah. Circadian rhythms are your... Well, essentially it's your body's internal body clock. Um, and it's how your... Yeah, it's just, it's just like your body's internal body clock telling you kind of when you're awake and when you're asleep, depending on what you're... The light and dark that you're exposed to throughout the day. So it's not necessarily just uh, like wake and sleep. It controls lots of different things that are all part of um, your circadian rhythm. So circadian rhythm refers to the fact that it's just the rhythm that we sort of live by mm-hmm. over. It's not actually 24 hours. It's anything between like 20 and 30 hours or so. So some people have a slightly longer circadian rhythm. Some have slightly shorter circadian rhythm. Um, but it also controls things like when you're hungry. Uh, like when you're not hungry, so like either whether you're eating or or fasting, um, like light and dark cycles, like you said, uh, sleep from us, wake from us, and whether you're sort of resting or whether you fancy being active. So it controls like lots and lots of different 
parts of our behavior mm -hmm. um, and that is controlled mainly by something in your hypothalamus called your super suprachiasmatic nucleus your supra which is an that's almost like three facts for you basically mm. such a good word it's a long word suprachiasmatic nucleus yeah, yeah he's like the uh the chief clock mm. yeah. who who what, what who was like a what person is a professional time teller <laughs> I don't know if that's a job. Big, Big Ben. Big Ben. <laughs> big Ben. Your supercarbonic nucleus is basically your big, your own Big Ben. It's actually mental how many parts of your, literally like, so you've got this part of your brain that is essentially like your central clock, but then like throughout your whole body, everywhere, there are receptors that basically get told what time it is. And that's what sort of like drives you to be hungry or sleepy or alert or, um, yeah, just it's just you've got these receptors actually all over your body that um, detect the internal time that is um, that, that, that that your body's currently running at, mm -hmm. and um, and everyone's yeah. got a slightly like a, a different um, some people call it like a chronotype, like where so they're they're kicking rhythm runs like some people prefer being awake later or sleeping in or getting up early. Mm -hmm. um, but the main things that influence your circadian rhythm are the amount of light exposure you get um, and your, like when you go to sleep and when you wake up. So there are, so you, uh, the, your chronotype is, people are often called a, a lark or an owl. So a night owl will stay up a little bit later and wake up a little bit later, a lark will go to bed a little bit earlier and naturally rise a little bit earlier. So most people... I um, I saw, I was watching a video on YouTube the other day, there was an advert for someone running some sort of, um, it was like mm -hmm. a sleep course that you could do. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they were doing it in, uh, what's it called, when they do like lots and lots of short bouts of sleep. Oh, polyphasic. Polyphasic yes. sleep, um, which actually is okay if you have to do it, but not anywhere near as good as actually mm -hmm. just sleeping normally. Um, but he uh, obviously was like an ex-military type of guy. It was oh. very hard. <laughs> so he renamed Owl, because he was like, I'm an owl, or as I prefer to call it, a wolf. <laughs> 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 no need to rename it. No need. Owl was fine. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think polyphasic sleep originally was sort of developed as a thing by the military yeah, it was yeah well obviously like mm -hmm. if you're going to be sleep like you're still better off sleeping as opposed to not sleeping but polyphasic sleep just for those of you that don't know is when you essentially stay up for a whole 24-hour period but in that period you have very short bouts of sleep trying to keep that sleep fairly consistent so maybe like blocks of 20 minutes every uh 80 or blocks of 20 minutes every 100 or whatever it is so you have like short phases of sleep all the time but the reality is um that's a really really you good way of sleeping if you're gonna get shot and yep. like you haven't got long <laughs> to sleep but it's not as good by any means as a full night's worth of sleep like even if even if even when time is um you, you equate for time it just it just isn't as good um although it is an excellent way of sleeping if you haven't got much time to sleep yeah. Um, but it just it, but it was and it was invented by the well not invented but it was like the, the military thought about it as a way of ensuring that people could get sufficient quantity of sleep. Yeah. 
Um, sort of like best of a worst case mm -hmm. scenario. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But definitely not like a, uh, a way of unlocking actual potential. Yeah. No. But that's that's probably like <clears throat> a big part of the reason it's not optimal is because of your circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. um, which essentially like over the course of a day kind of looks a bit like a sine curve for all the uh, mathematicians out there. Um, just in terms of sort of like wakefulness and, and sleepiness. Um, over what um, period? Over, over roughly 24 hours. Over what period of sign are we talking? Is uh, it sign from zero to pi or sign from zero to half pi, sign from zero to two pi? I'll leave you to figure that one out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom's regretting that saying that now. <laughs> I assume from... I thought a cosine curve started at... Cosine starts at zero, sine starts at uh, one, I think. No, I think cosine starts at one, sine starts at zero. But, I um, think I'm actually... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the period, though, so like, so like what are you getting? Uh, like a semicircle? Or are you talking a semicircle plus another semicircle underneath? Uh, In which case the period would be two pi regardless. Two pi, I think. <laughs> always, always choose two pi over mine. one pi. Yeah. <laughs> This is nothing to do with maths or anything. It's just that two pies sounds better than one pie. <laughs> two pies are nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was a sidetrack. It was very, very much sidetracked. Um, so you were talking about circadian rhythms before uh, we started talking about pies. <laughs> you were talking about um, owls and larks today, weren't we? We were. Yeah. What are you... Uh, I don't know because I really like going to bed early and then also staying in bed late. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm still a teenager. <laughs> Teenagers actually require slightly more sleep. They do than any other um, age. Than any other age. Well, yeah. maybe not babies actually. How don't you? I've never looked at really like much, ten, 10 hours of sleep. Yeah. How many? Oh, yeah. How many hours do babies uh, need? More than ten. Is it? Well, I've seen one of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're always fucking They're sleeping. sleeping all I'm the time. I'm hoping they sleep loads more than that <laughs> and do very little screaming, I did. I've never yeah. looked at like a baby circadian rhythm or anything like that, actually. Obviously, they're just like probably never really been studied properly because it would be very hard to make a baby aware. Uh, I think they don't really have a circadian rhythm. Do they not? Well, they, they feed so often, don't they? I, I reckon they don't really have a proper circadian rhythm for like six, six months plus. I'd reckon oh, that's that clock isn't actually set at all, is it? They wake repeatedly through the night, sleep. They did basically sleep, shift, and eat, don't they? Yeah. Like, repeats on the hour, so it's not a circadian rhythm. Obviously, this is a really hard question to answer, but <clears throat> do you think a large part of why they do not have a whether if, if they were to not have like a real circadian rhythm straight away, part, a large part of that would be based on um, the fact that they are eating throughout the night? So it's really hard to actually set a circadian rhythm. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. We'll go into that in a little bit. Yeah. How much eating affects your circadian rhythm. It's quite a lot, potentially. Very much. A little sneak peek there. Sneak peek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon until they're like, maybe up to a year or so, they just don't have like a rhythm that's set, do they? Please don't relay any of these things as fact. <laughs> yeah. There's is, lo lots of speculation going on here. <laughs> Interesting speculation, nonetheless. Yeah. But your chronotype can change over the course of your life as well, can't it? Like, yeah. a lot of teenagers tend to, like, part of it is obviously like a social thing, mm -hmm. but like, stay up late, get up late. 
but actually part of that is like as a teenager that like tends yeah. to happen as well so well there is there is like a genetic component to it but obviously the things that influence it most heavily are light and dark like how much exposure you get to um to light during the day uh your like how you time your eating throughout the day potentially is quite a big impact um there's like quite a lot of research coming out now that that actually has a bigger impact than we initially thought it might be mm. um and like social norms and stuff as well that play a huge play a huge part yeah you get in <clears throat> irrelevant if you naturally are a owl or a lark you can probably um adjust your your like your life based around your exposure to light in the morning and exposure to less well n no blue light in the evening if possible well in before you go to bed to make make it so it's a lot easier for you to have a like a um a sleep cycle or a circadian rhythm that abides by your work schedule yeah, probably definitely. the easiest thing to but that, that's like about. fairly obvious if you think about it because otherwise we would never adjust if we mm -hmm. went anywhere where we got jet lagged because yeah, jet lag is essentially your circadian rhythm being massively thrown off by a time difference mm -hmm. um and a completely different like like dark like dark cycle um and if your circadian rhythm was never able to adjust or be changed then you would never ever adapt to going somewhere with a time difference of yeah exactly sort of more than three hours or so you constantly could be waking up in the middle of the night somewhere and you you adjust over the course of like two three days to even fairly big uh like jet lag how fast do you adjust jet lag uh about one hour a day so slow isn't it pretty yeah. pretty crap yeah yeah to, to fully adjust yeah. that, your circadian rhythm can adjust about an hour a day no wonder you get so fucked and you go away for a month for like yeah. a week yeah like yeah. You don't even adjust while you're there, and then you got to come back and you got to reverse the whole cycle. Like two weeks of terrible sleep. Yeah, I might never go on holiday again. <laughs> <laughs> I love sleep so much. Just stay local, mate. Yeah, <laughs> just lots of staycations. Yeah, just always travel along the same latitude. <laughs> Where are you going this time? Oh, just a little bit further. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is latitudes at the same time as it is, isn't it? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, like South Africa, pretty much the same. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go to South Africa, mate. You'll be you fine. Go to South Africa. Safari. But the thing about um, I think it's like in a world where everything is set by your work times. Generally, it's so easy to fall to fall out of just just to stay up a little bit later and constantly um have a your like your own circadian rhythm that is just at, completely out of whack because you're staying up later yeah. um exposing yourself to like more light in the evening which is going to drive you to be awake and then you've got a set wake time in the morning so people often think that they are a let's say a night owl and they'd rather be awake later yeah. um and that the early morning alarm is like really really hard to wake up to when the reality is they're just staying up too artificially late. too late um as a habit and it's not that they actually are an, a, a, an owl they just have not set, all well for people to yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just haven't um like gone out of their way to set up a 
more lark based existence. Mm. Just going to bed earlier, yeah, yeah. doing your best to make sure that you're taking care of things like not being exposed to much blue light in the evening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, like devices, that sort of thing. So, so one way to tell if your circadian rhythm is disrupted is if you have like much more pronounced um, feelings of like sleepiness and uh, like alertness, like much bigger dips and troughs throughout the day. Then that's one like really sure sign that one you're probably just sleep deprived as well, but also that your circadian rhythm is thrown off. It's really hard to distinguish whether it's circadian rhythm that's a little bit out of whack or you're just tired because you're not getting sufficient quantity of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's very unlikely that you are getting sufficient quantity mm. of sleep and have a very disrupted circadian rhythm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've never seen any studies that show like someone who is getting enough sleep, but it's entirely out of whack, whack for this kind of rhythm. So I guess, I guess if you are consistently getting enough sleep, you're, you're probably doing that also in line with really your circadian rhythm. It'd be really yeah. hard to not. It'd be hard to get enough sleep out of whack with your circadian rhythm. You probably yeah. wouldn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, like, like you said earlier, light is the biggest thing that actually anchors your circadian rhythm because most people's circadian rhythm isn't even like but like it's fact it's it's not likely it's gonna be bang on twenty four hours. So like if, if that was the case and you're not getting light exposure to kind of anchor it in or like any of the other signals that anchor it where it's like it, in that twenty four hour period, over time you drift anyway, wouldn't you? So it's yeah, it would be like I don't think you could actually test that. It'd be very hard. <laughs> But it does mean that the take home from that is that as long as you're sort of making sure you're getting enough sleep, um, you'll probably don't have to worry too much about when it's happening. Mm. Um, especially like if you're a sort of adult in the Western world, your wake time is fairly set generally. So as long as you make sure you get enough sleep before that wake time, the likelihood is you, your circadian rhythm will adjust to that sleep wake cycle anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, it actually, it simplifies things. Mm-hmm. Part of what um, actually causes us to sort of fall asleep in the evening is the spike in melatonin. Like mm-hmm. same sort of blue light can impact that if you're getting a lot of that late in the evening, um, and that that's it's again the melatonin spike that sort of is thrown off when you you are jet lagged as well, um, and it doesn't. Do you know melatonin doesn't have an impact on sleep itself. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 starts little cascade it's of what initiates it. Um, an analogy I heard from in Why We Sleep by Matt Walker was um, it's like the race official at a start in a race. So he kind of ushers everyone, all the runners to the start line and uh, like does the gun to start the race. Mm. But obviously like he's not actually taking part in what the race, which is sleep. I think that's a terrible analogy. Mm. Do you think? I don't think you should ever think of sleep like a race. (laughs) I never go to bed. Right, go! Also, terrible way to make sure you get a nice night's sleep. Fire a fucking gun. Off you go! Bang! Have you had a gun of melatonin fired at you, though? But that's why um, with melatonin, you're always, if you're ever going to use it, um, like use it as a supplement. Which we'll talk about next podcast. Yeah. you You never need to take a high dose of it. It will only make you more tired the next day. Like large doses are just like completely useless because all you need is a, it's like an on-off switch. Once you've had enough, a, a, a sufficient amount, 
He's gone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you either get shot or you don't, mate. Once you've had a sufficient quantity for that guy to fire a really, really dramatic gun, uh, he's only got to do it once, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to run that race fast if he fires it a second time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is a good one. Maybe it does work. Sleep is not a race. Yeah. Um, I'd bring it if it was. <laughs> yeah. I get a year fall asleep. I'm so good. As long as I'm not in a room with either of you, I'm pretty solid. <laughs> Never, if you want to do anything for your sleep quality, don't ever share a room with Tom or Ali. Especially Ali, I no, think. Alice that- isn't in store anymore. Danny's a liar. <laughs> I want that nasal breath. Th- <laughs> <The> nasal breath. <laughs> I think it's because we're both so excellent at falling asleep as well. Like, Di just doesn't have a chance. He's a bit yeah. of a sleep princess at the yeah. rest of the times, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I am a sleep princess. I once I, I, I challenged myself for a week to be able to count to 20 deep breaths before I went to sleep, and I didn't win once. You didn't do it. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I'd was... probably get to 100. Well, I'd probably, I'd probably lose count, but. Yeah. Honestly, I tried like maybe like four or five seconds in, not cows in, in and out. Yeah. And I, every time I got to about seven, and then I was don't yeah. remember getting any higher. Getting past ten is hard, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what I can do. I'll lose count, but I don't think I'll go to sleep. Hmm. You actually go to sleep? Well, I, I don't. I'm not awake afterwards. I might I might lose count around seven, and then be awake for another hour. But I, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, it might be that I lose count and I'm just like daydreaming for ages. <laughs> I don't think your time dilation would be that bad. That's why I, I, yeah. I think that's true. I've fallen asleep while talking before. Yeah, I've done that before. I've fallen asleep listening to people. Yeah. <laughs> I often drift off while I'm reading my Kindle, um, which is why, where the one reason Kindles are not as good as books is books are quite soft. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if you're lying in bed holding your Kindle... And you fall asleep, and you twat yourself in the face. That hurts quite badly. That's some solid practical advice. That is. Yeah. If you're going to hold it above your face, use a book. <laughs> Kindle's much better for lying on your side, though. Mm. Uh, so we sort of briefly touched on uh, like light cycles and stuff. Um, a deck. We're going full depth into that. Full depth into light. Yeah, I think we do. Oh, light. Light's a good one. Isn't it? Mm. Um, we've mentioned it a few times now, and it is probably the, the one of the biggest factors um, that sort of like Tom Tom said is almost like anchors your skating rhythm, um, and also is one that is quite hard to sort out naturally potentially. Very hard, um, especially like now coming into the winter, um, and if you ha- have to like so so this is one where like we're a perfect example. I have to get up at five every morning um, for work. It's really dark for like two and a half hours now. After that. Um, so that's a really hard way to anchor your skating rhythm if you're getting up in the dark and it's not light. Mm-hmm. But like, um, it's people often forget how well I say people. Um, it's often most people now know that probably using your phone late at night isn't a good idea. Like people actually like like it's if it's quite hard to like to not know that by now. But not a lot of people do know how important it is to be exposed to bright white light in the day and you even see people walking around during the day yeah. with blue light blockers on so they'll wear glasses that block blue light and at, at a part of the day where 
you want to be getting as much exposure to as much it's just light. Tickling it. It's just sort of managed to filter through that like blue light in the evening is bad and we don't really want that because it sort of impairs our sleep. And then the message that actually gets through is, oh, blue light is black, is bad mm. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Never have blue light. I saw a video of um, someone and they were like talking in the morning about how like habits for health and they were wearing blue light blockers. It's in the morning. Like it's the, it's <laughs> such a terrible idea. There's one um, I watched uh, one kid wore blue light blockers all day <laughs> for two weeks and was like severely ill, like really ill. Like yeah. everything would just be fucked. It'd Basically, be... artificially give yourself seasonal affective disorder, mm. don't you? Well, but also you just absolutely ruin your circadian rhythm because the only thing um, that can actually detect light is your eye. So you're in in your eye, you've got um, basically a like a region that detects how that detects light and how bright that light is. And the brighter that light, the more it tells um, like certain parts of your brain to essentially be on and play at like a. If it's loads and loads of light, like be on and be really, 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 really active. Sends a signal to the uh, suprachiasmatic nucleus, doesn't it? It does indeed. <laughs> and then when that when that um, that really, really high intensity light dips right down, um, that's the signal. Okay, now we're going to start doing those things like release melatonin, um, start initiating the onset of sleep. So if you wear blue light blockers all day, you're literally getting a signal to be asleep the whole time and you're never getting another signal to be awake and to actually like to like to do all the things that you want to do when you're awake and it's just phenomenal people just think that one thing like blue light is excellent so important just not a good idea before you go to sleep just like literally like an hour to two hours before Mm -hmm. bed then we hate it yeah awful thing then but in the morning so like um you absolutely want to have as much exposure to high intensity bright white light as you can and just to give you some examples like the the, the light in your house is probably somewhere in the region of a hundred thousand a thousand lux whereas the light from the sun in on a a bright day is probably around a hundred thousand lux so you've got like such an enormous difference there that if you're only exposed to light from the from the like in the office that's all you're exposed to all day like oh. you don't sit by a window or maybe it's really gray outside then you've not been exposed to any high intensity blue light all day and like Tom said your circadian rhythm will never actually be anchored in the morning and as a result of that you will actually struggle to sleep properly in the evening because you would have been getting sent the signal to sleep basically all day Never that it was bright. You never get sent the signal that it's day by high, high, high intensity white light. You only get sent the signal that it's um, basically time to sleep, but all day. And when it actually comes to sleep, that shift in light uh, doesn't really happen because you're still getting exposed to the same low intensity light. So you just will, you may well struggle to sleep in the evening. And so during the winter, um, you see this happens so frequently um, in countries where there's not much sun. Um, and it's and it's pretty um, grey outside a lot of the time. You get up in the morning, it's dark. You drive to work, it's grey. You get into the office, you don't sit by a window. You have a normal light on in the office. Um, you drive home in the evening, it's dark again. And so, at no point in the day have you ever anchored that that, that circadian rhythm. And as a result of that, 
um, you have there's actually a lot of negative health implications, and even um, a uh, depression disorder called um, seasonal affective disorder, which essentially makes you pretty sad as a result of winter. Yeah, I got it wrong. Yeah, it's called sad. Mm. Don't want to be sad. You don't want to be sad. So, no. don't wear blue light blockers yeah. <laughs> until, it, until it's like an hour before your yeah. bedtime. And if that's you, wake up in the morning and it's dark outside, go to work and you're just in a normal office, get back in the car, drive home in the dark, buy yourself a sad lamp. Like, they're about 20 to 50 quid. So, and it will make a massive difference to your life, like, honestly. Yeah, we're going to round up because we've, we've talked about a lot of different things we'd actually recommend mm -hmm. like practically. So that we're going to round all of those up in um, in the last episode of the trilogy. <laughs> uh, so we're going to like sort of round up all these things we've mentioned, like melatonin supplementation, uh, blue light blockers, sad lamps, like light therapy, all these things that you can do to um, like practically try and make a difference to improving your sleep. Um, but for now, sort of carrying on with circadian rhythm. Uh, what's sleep pressure, Paul? So sleep pressure is the other main driver that we get um, that causes kind of drowsiness uh, and causes us to want to fall asleep, basically. Um, so, I of course... quite a lot of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, any time that you're awake, obviously your brain needs energy. And, but as a byproduct of producing energy, we also produce waste products. Um, the main one uh, that we're going to talk about today is adenosine, um, which is adenosine triphosphate is ATP. It's what we create energy from. Um, but basically, when it's broken, broken right down, that's what's left. Um, Get one molecule of it left. Yep, one work. floating about. Um, so basically, all the time you're awake, that's building up and building up and building up in your brain. Uh, and then there's receptors in the brain, which the free adenosine binds to. And basically, the more adenosine you've got sort of on those receptors, the more kind of tired and drowsy you're going to feel, and the less kind of awake you're going to feel as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically like over the course of the day. It's why when we get to like evening time, as a general, we've got like circadian rhythm, but we've also got this massive amount of sleep pressure that's built up through the day yeah. that makes you feel quite tired. What's one of the main things that affects that? Caffeine. Great. <laughs> I love caffeine. Yeah, caffeine's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how does caffeine actually work that like, plays a role in affecting sleep pressure and adenosine uptake in the brain? So basically what caffeine does um, in the brain, it binds to those adenosine receptors. <gasps> it steals yeah. them from the adenosine. It does, it does. Which basically means that the adenosine can't bind to them, um, so you don't get those feelings of um, sort of tiredness or like like that kind of energy slump. Um, but what it does also do is it means that if you have caffeine in your system when you go to sleep, you not it's not only harder to get to sleep, but you also get um, worse quality of sleep because one of the main sort of functions that sleep um, does for us is obviously clearing all the waste products out. So when we sleep, we get rid of all this adenosine. Uh, and if you've got caffeine present, you're more likely to kind of, you, it's a lot harder to kind of clear that. Mm. Um, but that's that's also another reason you why. You wake up still feeling really crap and groggy. Yeah, pretty much. And also, um, just like in terms of quantity of sleep, obviously, if, if you don't get in, in enough quantity of sleep, you're still going to have adenosine in the morning. Um, so you can basically build up like an adenosine debt. So you like, 
That's you right. have... I just drink more coffee, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's basically how adenosine and caffeine works. Pretty savage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's brutal, really. You've got... Um... No, I, don't, I just want to repeat what you just said, to be fair. I think the only thing I didn't say is um, the half-life of caffeine mm. is roughly six hours. So even having it, like... Well, if, if it's us, for example... Trying to get to bed for nine o'clock ish and get try and get a full full like block of sleep. Yeah. Don't wanna be definitely don't wanna be having any caffeine after three o'clock. Nope. Otherwise it's still gonna be a really mm. solid dose of caffeine. Yeah. Even three is like quite late, like, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's always it, the later side of it. Half life's um obviously like all all a half life means is let's say you had a hundred milligrams of caffeine at twelve o'clock, at six o'clock, that means there's still Five, uh, 50 milligrams of caffeine in an orange system. Um, in in an <laughs> I hate when things are around my system. Um, in, in, in an orange. Um, and so, like, if you were to say, oh, I don't want to have a coffee at 12 um, to, b- before I go to bed, but I'm happy to have half a coffee, uh, then it makes... So you, you should it's the con- same thing. It's the same thing, right? So you should consider that even though the half of is six hours, if you aren't willing to have half a shot of coffee and then go to sleep, um, you should probably consider six hours is before bedtime is probably still too long, yep. uh, too short an amount of time, um, especially if you're quite a habitual caffeine drinker and you drink quite a lot of it. Yeah, like me. Mm, <laughs> and like you also have to consider like pre-workouts, coke. Yeah. Yeah. So. Loads. Lots of stuff. Mm. It's really hard not to drink it after 12 o'clock, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so savage. <laughs> it is very difficult. Uh, any other points? And a pretty mm-hmm. solid roundup. Um, we do say so ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to know, um, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's why we, why we go to sleep, isn't it? Uh, did you much. mention about how... Um, Sleep pressure building quite a bit of day doesn't actually make you more tired at the time. Uh, mm. it didn't I'm pretty sure you said it did make you more tired. Uh, it doesn't. Oh. It, 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 it's, it's not like a. Um, it's not um, cumulative. It's, it's 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 like discrete. Okay. That's why you don't just feel more tired all day. Yeah. It's not like you wake up in the morning and then all day you're just gradually getting more and more and more and more tired till the evening. You actually wake up in the morning and you're probably quite uh, asleep. Then you're fairly alert for a little bit, and then actually you get a dip in energy because of your circadian rhythm, um, mm-hmm. sort of like dips a little bit in the day for energy-wise, um, and then it's sort of like is you're kind of like alert again, and then there's like a discrete um, part in the evening when sleep pressure is really really high, and that's what triggers the onset, and that's what makes you a bit sleepy. Uh, it's not um, cumulative; it is like a discrete variable. Uh, so is that why caffeine can affect it so much? In that if it's blocking adenosine uptake, it it almost just doesn't, oh, doesn't tip that point and kick in at all. Maybe I don't, I don't know. To be fair, because um, sleep pressure isn't um, isn't it's, it's not just um, the build of energy in the brain. There's lots of other ways for it which which, which drives sleep pressure. Because you also got um, and then the, the inverse happens in when you're asleep. Weight pressure builds as you're asleep, and that's what actually wakes you up in the morning. Uh, that does bring me again. It's discreet because like, otherwise you'd just be getting less and less and less and less tired, tired all yeah. night, which doesn't really yeah. happen. You yeah. get to a point where you are less tired, and that's and then you're awake. 
Yeah. So it's worth talking about as well. Actually, you did mention um, the fact that you actually do a natural circadian rhythm has a, a sort of lull mm-hmm. um, in like early afternoon generally yeah. for most people. Um, so we'll sort of mention this again on next week with the practical take homes. But if you are like if you do really struggle to get a really solid block of sleep or like a full length block of sleep um, in the evening, the best way to actually catch up on that is with, with naps, not mm-hmm. necessarily like trying to make up for it on any one day. Um, so actually like trying to catch up your sleep on the weekend isn't necessarily the best idea because it throws off your circadian rhythm. The fact that you like sleep in for a few hours on the weekend actually makes it really hard then to set a circadian rhythm. It does. Um, so you're actually better off catching up with naps. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a re- it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because like practically, I would re- I really struggle to tell people don't sleep in on the weekend mm. because actually ca- getting more sleep is almost certainly a good idea. Whether you can make up for the bad amount of sleep you had in the week is a, you know probably not, but having more sleep is almost certainly a good idea. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean that that has been shown. However, if you I mean and so but, but I suppose that that is if you're looking at it acutely, if yeah. you are willing to look sort of like longitudinally and and, and go okay maybe. Always catching up on the weekend by two or three hours isn't really serving me very well in the long run. Yeah. I'm going to try and make a bit of an adjustment in the week, and that's a re- and get some more naps and stuff is a really good idea. If it's just like you've had a bad week, yeah, yeah, then yeah. I, I would definitely then don't try and like set an early alarm on the weekend. You can probably actually catch up a little bit. You can use extra sleep time as a tool to allow you to have less time in bed at other times if it's not something that's chronic. Yeah. Um, Again, the thing is, if you if you if you are sleeping enough, your circadian rhythm isn't out of whack. You're probably going to wake up at the same time on the on the weekend anyway. Like, yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that you actually one of the one of the best ways to know if your circadian rhythm is is working and you're getting enough sleep is that you actually wake up about five minutes before your alarm most yeah. days. Mm. Um, so again, all these things are like you said. If it's an acute thing, you've had a really bad week, definitely stay in bed a little bit yeah. longer. It's if you're habitually like undersleeping in the during the week, mm-hmm. come the weekend you've got to sleep there three four hours that you're trying to make up by staying in bed till ten on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, there's actually a couple of studies on sleep debt actually uh, and how bad just that the just sleep debt in and of itself mm-hmm. can be um, for like long term health outcomes. Yeah, yeah, really, really bad. Um, but yeah, obviously if it's just that you've had a bad week, stay in bed. Mm-hmm. And also when it comes to like your natural sort of like slumping energy in the middle of the afternoon or early afternoon as a result of your skin rhythm um this is like a time when people often so when you eat food if you eat a sufficient like quantity of food you get what's known as postprandial somnolence which is essentially just like latin for post eating tiredness um and so people like you're like oh, i can't deal with carbohydrate at lunch and they'll have some carbs at lunch and they'll have like a, not a small amount of calories let's say they have like a 800 calorie lunch by the time they've had some um like a bit of chocolate their actual lunch and some bread um and as a result of that they they get a little bit of postprandial somnolence at the same time that they get their natural dip in um energy from their circadian rhythm anyway and you feel really really tired and you and people always are like um, I don't know if this agrees with me or, and it's just like, well, actually you just had quite a large quantity of food at a time when you're going to feel tired anyway. So that's what's going to, you're going to feel really, really tired. And that's, if that's, if that happens to you um, regularly after your lunch, you get a massive dip. Maybe just have your lunch an hour earlier or an hour later. You're going to get that dip in energy anyway. 
and you're probably not hungry enough for them because you just fucking want to go to bed. And if you're sitting at, at, the, at, at the desk doing work, um, it's going to make you feel so tired. So, like, potentially you can look to... I mean, it's not as practical for everyone because everyone's got different times when they can take their have their lunch. But if that's um, you and you know that after you eat, you get a massive dip in energy, it might actually just be worth looking at delaying or um, bringing that lunch to a little bit later and seeing if that natural dip in energy happens anyway. Um, and whether you can sort of like do your best to not feel quite so dead. For sure. Or just have a, a smaller quantity of food um, in, in terms of total energy, total calories, and it will also have a positive impact on how tired you don't feel. And so, two lunches is always better than one, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that's pretty much everything for this week. Next week, in the final part of the trilogy, <laughs> we're going to round up uh, sleep and why it's so important and mainly go over some of the practical things you can do, like the things yeah. you actually want to really, really focus on. Um, so we said last week, sleep is really important for your long-term health. It's not something that we can really mm-hmm. like afford to just not think about um and uh but it is important to recognize that there's only so much people can do as well sometimes so next week we're going to go over some like the things you really do want to focus on and some of the most practical things that you can do to uh improve your try and get more sleep and to improve the quality of your sleep but if we just round up circadian rhythm and why that's important to think about as well so light and dark cycles are essential for anchoring your circadian rhythm Mm -hmm. So we'll mention it again next week, but getting a really solid dose of very, very bright light as, as early on in the day as possible when you wake up is a really, really good idea. So getting a sad lamp might be better. And equally then being exposed to bright light in the evening is probably a terrible idea. So try not to be exposed to light um, about an hour before bed. Mm-hmm. Probably really smart. So maybe yeah. get flux installed or on your laptop or phone yeah. or get some blue light blockers definitely get flux installed with gut definitely mm-hmm. um, you can turn it the uh, light coming out of your laptop down so 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 red um, that you can literally just like watch anything and fall asleep so so easily um, and maybe if then as well just before we go through next week try and try and like notice if you think you are particularly out of whack with your feeling with them mm-hmm. like are you really struggling to wake up do you need an alarm every morning um, and do you get really, really big, uh, like dips and slumps throughout the day? Probably mm-hmm. quite a good way of sh- yeah, definitely. seeing if you are already at whack with feeling with them. And, and then also, next week we'll follow the tips. Up. And also, uh, we didn't really delve into this, but really, really good idea to not eat during the night. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Don't eat during the night. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, and even if you're a shift worker, I mean, we haven't really delved into much about shift workers, to be fair, which we could have um, done. mention that next week. But do your absolute best to not eat during the night. So have like a large dinner, um, and then when it's soon as dark, just just try and. I know I know it would be so so hard. I personally would fail every single night. Yeah. I actually would. But there's so much really really so much really 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 good evidence that it's so hard to even tell whether shift workers. Um, are like at higher risk of developing diabetes, having much, much worse glucose control um, and just generally being a lot less healthy. Um, it's, it's, it's even so hard to tell if that's as a result of them just eating through the night or not getting sleep through the night. It's like, like, like so, so it's really, really hard to tease apart those differences. 
Yep. So, stay tuned for our roundup and practical take-homes for the final episode of the trilogy next week. Uh, so, episode three of the trilogy. Of the trilogy. Part three. Uh, today we're just going to have a little ramble about some practical tips for improving your sleep, which we've gone over why that is so important. Yeah, we've done an excellent job going yeah. over why it's important. Yeah. So to now, this point, you've probably spent the last two weeks just panicking constantly about how to get more sleep because mm. you now know how important it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually scary when you look at it. Yeah. It makes me feel really bad for the amount of sleep that I yeah. actually get. And also, some of the things we're going to tell you today will scare you even more. Gosh. Yeah. But, Is uh, there velociraptors involved? There's no velociraptors. Oh. God, can you imagine trying to sleep <laughs> velociraptors on the loose? Well, the turkey-sized ones or the, <laughs> the Jurassic Park-sized like, ones? You wouldn't want them too close to you and just have a nap, would you? Yeah. <laughs> well, do they fly? Uh, no. Yeah, we used to sleep in trees, didn't we? Did you? I I, I have <laughs> never slept in a tree. <laughs> Ali apparently <laughs> used to sleep in trees. That's right. Surprise surprised me. Velociraptors on the, on the, on the loose were going to eat Ali, you. as a small child, <laughs> slept in his garden in a tree because he was terrified of velociraptors. <laughs> Is that a fact of the day? That you no. couldn't wait to tell us? Have you ever slept on a branch, though? Like a, yeah. like a really thick branch? Because you can, like, drape for itself right over it. Like a leopard. It's really nice. Dangerous. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've tried, I've tried lying on a branch. I've not tried yeah. sleeping there. It's better as a child. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a pillow? Velociraptors. Mm. Um, obviously, apes and velociraptors didn't cross over in time. No. Coexist. But if they did, sleep in a tree. Should be all right. Yeah, sharp nails. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Ali's cat, boo. Yeah, she's got sharp nails. Right then, uh, so what is the oh, fact. fact of the day that you couldn't wait to tell us? That's such a good fact. Um, one of my clients told me last night and I was very excited about this. Okay, so which planet do you think is closest to Earth? Let me rephrase that. Which planet do you think is closest to Earth most often? Well, it's going to be none of the obvious ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you did, obviously because of, um, all orbits the planets have different stuff. different um, orbits, they orbit the sun at different speeds. Mercury is most frequently the closest planet to Earth. That's interesting. It's it class, is isn't interesting. It? There's no way you can. Know but that. Does, you told me. Does it come closer than <laughs> Mars? Nope. It never, it's never, as a, if you took the minimum distance, it's not the closest at any, um, because obviously there's, there's, when the orbits line up, um, Venus and, when the orbits um, align, Venus and Mars are much closer, but because Mercury's orbit of the sun is so small versus Venus and Mars, it, when when Mercury's furthest away from Earth, it's still quite close. Whereas when Venus and Mars are furthest away from Earth, they're actually really, really far away. So Mercury is the most frequently close planet to Earth. Oh. Class, isn't it? This is a solid Fascinating. Hmm. Fascinating. Cheers, Ellen. 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 Great Gosh. fact. I was so happy when she told me yesterday. <laughs> if anyone else would like to submit facts of the day, 
It's also very... illegal, yeah. which is another Ellen fact, <laughs> to um, walk into the Houses of Parliament with it with a suit of armour on. Is it? It is. Well, that ruins my plans <laughs> next weekend. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Can you imagine like <laughs> writing that fact? <laughs> what, what would you write it? Well, law. No more armour. No, no armour in here. So I, might, I imagine that's been part of the law for quite a long time. I know, that's what I mean. <laughs> it's not a recent one, is it? Brexit negotiations <laughs> and no armour. But can you imagine yeah, but like when was it need when was it when, when would it have been needed to be written? Like if someone goes into a full full armour into the into the <laughs> Um, Houses of Parliament just wouldn't be letting anyway. <laughs> Unless they battered their way in. <laughs> if I was an MP, I'd like try and tack on hilarious little laws <laughs> to any bills that we're going through. There are some weird laws, aren't there? Yeah. There's some ones that there's there's loads of like ones that are still. I think you can like shoot a bow and arrow and kill someone between two plate like. It's in Chester. As long as you're in the walls of the city, after dark, you can shoot a Welshman with a bow. (laughs) (laughs) Only in time, never been out in Chester. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder with things like that, though, are they actually true? Or are they just hilariously decided to say that. They're not true. Like, like if you did it, you'd be prosecuted. (laughs) (laughs) Still pretty illegal, I yeah. imagine. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it just is murder. Um, I think they call it. Yeah. <laughs> that one. That one's been uh, outlawed for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, hmm. the Mercury facts class, isn't it? That's a strong fact. It's very good. Should we crack on with part three? Let's of the do trilogy? some trilogy bits. So in uh, in part one, we discussed why sleep was well, why a lack of sleep particularly was so bad for you. And in episode two, we talked a little bit about circadian rhythm and why we sleep, uh, what sort of like things help us go to sleep and wake up, and the importance of light-dark cycles. And today we're just going to go through some sort of practical stuff that people can actually do to make sure that they sleep better and get more sleep. So, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes probably want to listen to those first before delving into the... You won't know the backstories of the characters or anything. <laughs> Who is sleep? Yeah, you want to, you want to know all those, all those previous... Uh, the previous story. Much more important. <laughs> she is distracting me loads. Yeah. Yeah. She's very cute though. She is cute. We're talking about... We'll, um, yeah. we'll, we'll put a photo of... <laughs> Uh, the kitten that we're talking about on this podcast, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, um, just so everyone can see why this podcast is fairly awful so far. <laughs> she sleeps a lot. She does. She, she seems sweet. pretty healthy. Tell them how much babies sleep. Uh, all the time. So, a baby in the womb for the first six months is straight up sleeping non-stop. It's a lot of sleep, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they only start being a little bit awake in the third trimester for about two hours a day and then before they're born full sleep again about a week full, about a week full, full sleep full like REM sleep, sleep basically we've been much into the stages of sleep uh, we actually haven't no, we haven't mentioned that mm, should sure. we go through that yeah alright yeah. so a little bit more background on sleep there are basically um, 
you can think of there's five stages of sleep, but really there's they're split into two. So you've got non uh, rapid eye movement sleep, so non REM sleep, and you've got REM sleep, so rapid eye movement sleep. And there are four stages of non REM sleep, stage one, two, three, four, and they get progressively deeper throughout all those. And then um, the fifth stage or the last final stage uh, is REM sleep, where your eyes are moving around rapidly underneath your eyelids. You can see this as well, it's pretty odd when someone's asleep and their eyes are just like darting around all over the place. Um, and those cycles last about 90 minutes. So a full sleep cycle is about 90 minutes long. And it transitions from light all the way to REM sleep, which is really deep, and then back to light sleep again, which is often why um, throughout the night you'll sleep, you may wake up at points because at those points when it goes back to really, really light sleep, it's as though you're just falling back to sleep again. Um, and so for some people, like if you live in like loud areas and stuff, like it can be really, really distracting and wake you up quite a lot when, once you've done a full cycle, which is really frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Get some headphones. Definitely get some headphones or earplugs. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I'm going to speak about. Yeah. So, practical tip number one, have consistent... Uh, sleep and wake times. Oh, it's so hard doing it. It's savagely hard. Yeah. It's really, really difficult. Uh, but there, there isn't really a way around it because there is, uh, I suppose maybe we can go on to it now, there's basically no way to catch up on lost sleep. Yeah. Uh, so like we said at the end of the last episode, it's not that we're saying if you're really tired because you lost a load of sleep one night, don't have a lie mm-hmm. in. But you you're having a lie-in because you feel tired, not because it's actually catching up the sleep that you lost. Once once you've lost out on that sleep, it's sort of... You, you can't plan to catch yeah. up on it. It's, it's still... Is it is it or is it not better to oversleep um, if you've lost out on sleep? I would say it's better to oversleep. Because, uh, like... I think it depends to what extent. And, so let's say you have yeah. a full night of... Um, a whole night of sleep deprivation yeah um, and then you go to sleep the next night and you sleep uh, let's say 10 hours instead of 8 yeah so you cannot uh, so so if you've got you've had those 8 hours that you've lost um, and that has done let's say some damage <laughs> for like like I mean it is essentially isn't it like it's very very minute for one night but or minuscule for one night but um if you then slept 10 hours for the next four nights, you would have accumulated all that sleep back um, in terms of total time sleeping. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, is it um, you, you, you can't recoup that sleep, right? So let's say that's lost. Yeah. Um, the fact that you actually did sleep 10 hours instead of eight for the next four nights does mean you are, you have, does that mean you are less... Um, you're in a better place than you otherwise would have been had you only had eight hours the next four nights. I would speculate that it would be because you still have like sleep pressure, which mm-hmm. obviously over over time that can accumulate a debt, and like you can't catch up with like like you were saying about missing one night's worth of sleep. You're not going to get back the benefit that you would have had had you just had that eight hours by having two extra hours for the next four nights. Mm-hmm. But I think you'd still get a positive benefit from like clearing those waste products yeah. that are built up in the brain and that sort of thing. But you 
would potentially change your circadian rhythm a little bit, oh, um, yeah, which I think is an, is another reason that like that you want to keep consistent uh, like sleep and wake times because that that that's it's kind of like social jet lag. Yeah. Like if you wake up at six every weekday and then on the weekend you wake up at nine, you're basically shifting your circadian rhythm by a couple of hours and then you're trying to go back to six again mm-hmm. which just means that when like monday you're going to feel pretty groggy and like not as awake as if you just had that consistent wake time the whole the whole way through yeah yeah for sure all of the the like the data studies is like tend to show that you can't get that sleep back so once so like I, there's a difference between like you're saying like sleeping in on the first day mm-hmm because you, you're probably still really fucking tired from missing a whole night's sleep. But after that, unless you're actually tired, I don't think you're gaining anything positive by staying in bed purposely for two hours longer. The way I interpret it <clears throat> is, let's say a full, on, that, on that first night that you've missed sleep, um, you, would have been at you would have had 100%, right? Yeah. So on the next four nights when you gain those two hours back, you're never getting back to 100%. There's, there's an amount that's lost and lost forever. Yeah. But you can um, recoup some of the um, damage, let's say, uh, whether that's 5%, 10%, fuck knows. But you will be in a better place having accumulated a little bit more sleep because it would have got rid of a few more, like a bit more adenosine. It would have got cleared a few more waste products. Um, because we know that when you don't sleep for a night, those waste products do build up and they are cleared on subsequent nights if you can make up that, that if they are cleared a bit, like, like, like if they're still, if you can sleep, let's say, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if it would be possible to be fair because like, I don't know if you could sleep for 10 hours the next four days because it would be really, really hard because it would completely go against like Thomas and circadian rhythm and stuff. That it would, it would, <clears throat> you would really struggle to, and I wonder if that's part of the reason you just. I, I, was, I think part of it is if you look at like what the actual function of NREM and REM sleep is. Um, if you think of like the time that you're awake is like reception, NREM sleep is essentially like reflection on that, mm-hmm. um, and then REM sleep is basically kind of joining joining the dots and sort of linking that in with like all your past memories um, and that sort of thing, so you can kind of make sense of of things that have happened essentially. So I think I think what have what like uh, this is obviously just like us uh, speculating, but I, I imagine if you have like missed that night of sleep, you miss out on that opportunity to store any any information that you've taken in that day. So mm. that and, and that that I think is why the sleep is lost. You're you're completely right. That is definitely true. Your ability to remember whatever it is that you've actually learnt that day is is probably lost. But um, like memory and well, me- um, remembering shit is n- is is only a small function of sleep. It's a really important one. Yeah. But it's but that isn't like clearing yeah. waste products and all that other sort of stuff. Um, I, I find- think it'd be almost impossible to like practically quantify it. Yeah. And the point <laughs> of view of like like you were saying, like thinking of it as like it's not a bank account. Yeah. It's not like. I only got eighty percent sleep tonight, mm-hmm. so I'll get one hundred and twenty percent tomorrow. It's like yeah. that. That is not the way it works, mm-hmm. and you can't do it. So, from a practical point of view, obviously, if you're tired, it's better off having a bit of a lie in. But 
the best thing to do is not think about trying to catch up on your sleep mm-hmm. and yeah. being in a position where you don't have to yeah, yeah. do that. So, and, and like running those sort of studies to actually like figure out what the physiological reper- like repercussions are of like a whole night lost of sleep and how much of it you can get back if you can get back like is it better to sleep in for four hours for the next day or is two hours two days the mm-hmm. same like it is so hard to quantify that well yeah you basically you, you, you literally can yeah exactly <coughs> um, so I think from a practical point of view trying to like thinking about sleep like that is almost that's part of the issue yeah that's part of the problem is that mm-hmm. people try to think about sleep like a bank account or oh, I'll catch up on the weekend mm-hmm. and and you basically can't do it mm-hmm. so while it's a really really interesting like conversation to have it's not it, it sort of isn't practically helpful yeah that's yeah. a very very good point like if you are thinking about it in terms of trying to catch up it you've already fucked up so much yeah like, 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 like <laughs> that's what I was trying to say in terms of like imagine you had 100% on the first yeah. night like you just you just can never get back to that level yeah and so like staying in bed for a little bit or having if you're if you can sleep 10 hours and you've got time to sleep 10 hours it's probably a great idea yeah because um, if you could do that, go ahead. But don't don't be like I said. Don't, don't think that you're repaying what you um, what you withdrew on that first night because yeah. it just isn't like that at all. Yeah, absolutely. And like Tom said, it probably is messing with your circadian rhythm mm. again at some point. And one of the best things you can do to make sure that you're getting enough sleep and that you're getting good quality sleep at those times is to have um, like to sort of be sleeping in tune as much as possible with your circadian rhythm and that involves having pretty consistent sleep and wake cycle times Mm -hmm. Um, which like you said is is actually like really really hard that's why it's led down like quite a big tangent it's (laughs) because it's actually especially like in the modern um, in the modern day it's like it is really difficult because you've got so many pressures on Mm -hmm. our time um, to like to have especially it's the consistent like going to sleep time because everyone's for the most part people have like a fairly consistent wake up time Um, and like trying to get to bed eight hours before that is really really difficult to do because mm-hmm. there's so many like things that just nag at our time a couple yeah. of like we've had a couple of messages off the back of the last few podcasts and one of the um, I think it, uh, someone said one of the like really useful things that, that we said was it's, it's a little bit like like diet like it's it's the little things that add up over time so just like lying in bed on your phone or something at night mm-hmm. and it's 45 it's easy like half hour easy of your time an hour just yeah. doing like nothing and it's that's the same as like making just nothing bad choices in your diet and then ruining ruining a deficit that you're in yeah um, and then being frustrated with that but it's the same thing it's like little things that you can do to add up just like don't go on your phone before bed and mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah. um, like you know it's, those things are almost there uh, they're like probably more negative over the course of a week on in terms of like how much they impact people's ability to go to sleep on time because that's something that happens most nights where people get to bed and scroll their phone Mm -hmm. it's actually those things that are probably more of a drain on your like sleep time than social commitments yeah definitely and if you think about if you're trying to get like so optimal sleep gives you 100% the next morning Um, just taking away like 15 to 30 minutes out of that like um, great amount of time that you could have in bed. We know that you you you, you can't make it back. Yeah. So we were saying that earlier, like about having a full night of sleep um, deprivation. 
you can't earn that back. Likewise, if even even 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, you can't earn it back the next day. <clears throat> so that it's really worthwhile thinking about each night as a standalone, um, uh, as a, on its yeah. own, like in, in isolation. Okay, tonight, can I get into bed, you know, eight hours before my alarm? Yeah. And if I can do that, great. Uh, and oh, and just trying to make that a consistent a consistent pattern, because you know that no matter what, even if it's you know if it no matter what, like getting more is probably a good idea. So if you're going from consistently having six, try and get into bed half an hour early because just doing two hours isn't going to work immediately by any yeah. means. But let's just say that, and also like putting a lot of pressure on yourself to go from to have eight hours sleep every night means that sleep becomes this like high pressure thing yeah, which yeah. doesn't which isn't <laughs> beneficial either yeah. but just from this like a, a really if it was just like an on off switch just from a really um a good way to think about it like every night you take away 30 minutes just by being on your phone it's gone forever mm-hmm. and you can't get it back yeah so you just got to bear that in mind like it's every when, you, when you're choosing to sit there you are literally stealing from yourself from that day yeah i think like quite a quite um like a nice practical way to sort of do it is work backwards from your wake up time like you mm-hmm. said so try and get into bed like obviously eight hours would be an absolute dreamless get into bed eight hours before your wake up alarm and that's into bed lights off like yeah. to go to sleep um, so maybe like set an alarm before that so you actually like know that you're doing it as well because mm-hmm. sometimes like these things can just happen can't they if you've got an alarm that's something yeah. you've actually got to like turn off and you're almost like actively choosing to like nope I'm going to uh-huh gonna fuck myself up a little bit <laughs> but um so sort of having that and then uh if you've got the time to play with it like obviously like you were saying if you if at the moment you're sleeping five hours obviously working up to six hours is going to be much better for you than the five is currently mm-hmm. but if you've got the um sort of the play in your schedule to sort of try and build that up like if you're still needing an alarm to wake you up and you're waking up feeling really really crap then probably like Maybe just try and get like an extra fifteen minutes in bed earlier again, mm-hmm. until that. So the, the ideal goal is that you're you're waking up. You don't necessarily need the alarm to wake you up. You're waking up about five minutes because you've got that consistent wake time, yeah. and you actually like feel awake. Mm-hmm. I, I had we had um, one question from someone that was saying like, if so, his um, he gets like enough sleep. He gets between like seven and a half, eight and a half hours a night anyway. Um, but is he better off really trying to sleep in terms of like sleep cycles being an hour and a half long because um, he wakes up all the time without an alarm mm-hmm. uh, and should he try and go back to sleep to try and get like a full a full sleep cycle um, whereas like practically speaking if he's if he's getting like in the region of seven and a half to nine hours sleep and is waking up feeling rested and naturally that's that's about as that's like pretty perfect you know that's like the dream sleep scenario basically yeah I guess like whilst we know sleep cycles are 90 minutes you can't guarantee exactly no. when you're going to fall asleep Absolutely. so you like you can't be anal enough to work backwards from that to sort of you, you can work it out roughly but yeah. like well and they can vary from being like um, 75 minutes up to I think it's about two and a half like the two and a half really? hours they can really really vary like per person I don't know what the uh, like spread of that is in the population if like some people are like massive outliers at either end of that but they vary so like like you said it's yeah. 
and also you're asleep. You can't really control much yeah. of that time. But what, what you can do is control the time you go to bed and um, like potentially work that a little bit earlier if you can, if you're still always finding that the alarm's waking you up and you're like just feeling like shit all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a hard one, particularly if you do have like a very early wake-up time. and, and then Especially now this time of year when it's in the dark as yeah. well. Yeah. But if, if you're like finishing work late, like you having some time to like chill to like to have to yourself yeah. in the evening is like it's pretty much the only time in the day that most people get that time yeah um, so it is quite hard to say like eat into that time to get into bed earlier um, but like at the end of the day you've, you've just got to make the compromise like maybe you just shorten that time by like if you normally have half an hour maybe it's like 20 minutes and get like just get into bed that little bit earlier or like looking at what activities that it is you're like you're having as your sort of you time and maybe like reading a book before you go to bed that sort of thing is so like gonna be so much better than yeah. get like doing something that's yeah, like yeah. Re- like loads of white light like yeah, watching definitely. tv or that, or that sort of thing so i think that's the hardest thing about this it's almost like harder than diet because there is there is just no easy answer at all yeah i mean so that the, there is an easy answer is go to bed and get enough sleep yeah but it's, um, it's kind of it's, yeah, it's, it's non-negotiable like, but but people like people say oh yeah but I can't do that because I finish work at eight o'clock and then I just can't I can't go to sleep if I don't have like an hour or two to just chill and switch off and do something that isn't my job and it's like yeah, yeah that's completely fair enough I don't know what to tell you mm-hmm. because that's like <laughs> yeah but, really I mean hard but but sleep is so important that at some point it's probably worth like trying to figure out what what your sort of priorities are mm-hmm. to some extent and that's where not being exposed to white, yeah. bright white, well, blue light in the evening, so bright light in the evening, is essential. Because if you get home from work at eight and you're completely wired from work and you put the telly on and you've got the light on and you're eating, all those three things are sort of like driving you to be awake. Yeah. So you've got this like combo of a thing of, of, of stimulants almost driving you to be awake in this and then you're not going to be able to switch off and just like practically let's say you come home and you watch telly with a light on you can come home watch something on your laptop with flux on um, and turn the light off yeah or TV with some like decent blue light blockers yeah but I mean like flux is better well I mean blue light blockers would be great but then they've got to go and buy blue light blockers yeah. So we'll obviously put a link. We highly recommend getting some blue light blockers um, for those times in the evening when you want to watch telly um, after work or whatever. And um, someone else in the house is something like you might live with some people, and someone else wants the light on. And you know, you, like you were saying, it's it's actually it's fine for me because like me and Amy watch everything on a laptop with flux on anyway. Mm-hmm. But for you, like with Danny and other people in the house, sort of doing bets, mm-hmm. like you've bought some blue light blockers because you don't have control over what you're doing all the time. So. Yeah, exactly. So people in the house want to have the light on. That's completely fine. Like, can't be like everyone will grow in the dark with a candle. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would be like a sleep bed. <laughs> um, That's basically what I've done to Amy since she started living with me. Is mm. become sleep Hitler. <laughs> well, do, what do you we, mean? It's eight o'clock. <laughs> to be fair, I make um, Danny used to go to bed at like eleven, half eleven. She's asleep at like nine now. <laughs> Every yeah, night she started coming to the gym. Really, <laughs> I, know, I didn't actually manage to do that. <laughs> She's, the thought of training, yeah. So like, um, the thought of training in the morning for her was like absolutely obscene. Now she literally wakes up at five to go and train 
which is fucking mental. Um, <laughs> to be fair, she um, she doesn't have a choice about what time she wakes up because if you live with Ali, as me and Tom have done, <laughs> um, you are woken up at whatever time Ali wakes up by the sound of the Nutribullet. And usually when Ali then takes the Nutribullet apart and spills uh, like frack all over the side... For fuck's sake! <laughs> He's like Wreck It Ralph. Like, oh! It's so annoying when you lose some valuable nutrients in the morning. I'll just take it off more carefully. Yeah. But you've got to screw it on so tight so it doesn't yeah. go everywhere. Maximum tension when you screw it in. And then it means that like when you pull it out, you just, just go to everywhere. Do you know what's also a terrible idea? <laughs> what? When you wake up in the night because you need a wee and turn the light on. Oh, don't do that. It's a don't terrible idea. Do Who does that? I don't, well, it's quite a few people, I think. <laughs> I know. Who does that? Do people actually do that? Please reply and tell us if you're crazy enough to turn the actual light on. Do you not on. know <laughs> your own house well enough to navigate to the toilet in the dark? This and then thing. always what? treat yourself also, to a sit-down way. Yeah. What Never hazards st- are people like leaving in their hallway <laughs> to not... <laughs> just, just feel your way. Yeah. <laughs> And it, keep I your eyes as closed as possible. Guarantee you. <laughs> I like. I do that. I love playing games. Yeah, so yeah. I can actually do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> um, Although then, if you fall over, that's quite wakeful. Yeah, true. <laughs> Wake promoting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, other things you can do to make sure that, uh, like when you do go into bed, get into bed and stuff, you actually like feel tired and can go to sleep, is like making sure you just get as much exposure to natural light as possible throughout the day mm-hmm. um, and as early on in the day as possible to like anchor that circadian rhythm um, so especially at this time of year potentially like getting a sad lamp or you can get glasses that do a similar thing like basically like pump all that really really bright blue light that you don't want in your eyes in the evening in the evening get it into your face get it all in your face in the morning yeah in and, and around your eyes throughout the day to be fair if you yeah. can yeah. make you feel much more awake yeah um, but yeah drive that into your eye straight in during the day and um, that will help uh, so let, if you wake up early um, let's say through an alarm you can try and get some exposure to really bright light almost immediately that's going to help anchor your circadian rhythm which essentially means that that be- becomes your sort of like wake time and your circadian rhythm isn't just like a, it, 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 it is um, it's a cycle right so like if you can shift the wake time to earlier, it will also shift your sleep time to earlier as well. Um, and that's a really good way to think about it. Like if you're really struggling to sleep in the evening at like an appropriate time and you're doing everything, you know, you've got blue light block, you're like not getting exposure to white light in the evening, to, to, to bright light in the evening, you are like fairly chill, but like, you know, it's nine o'clock and you're just not tired and you're, sit in bed for an hour till 10 and still not asleep the getting frustrated that you aren't sleeping then be aware of when you actually are getting tired um and it might be that you have to just not get those in, in initially you don't get as much sleep as you want um because you've got that set alarm time in the morning but if you can get exposure to bright light in the morning and potentially even do some exercise early in the morning um then that's going to help shift your circadian rhythm so that you are someone who actually wants to wake up earlier and thus wants to go to sleep earlier. And it might take a little bit of time, but if you can do those things in the morning, it will certainly mean that 
um, you'll be able to sleep earlier in the evening and over the course of a few a few weeks, a few months maybe, um, you'll you'll have that full amount of time in bed, being tired and able to sleep. So exercise early in the day is like just really really important. And also like if you have a um, a job that means you stay at work really late, then exercising early in the day is a brilliant idea for you anyway. Yeah. Because it means that you haven't got to do it after work, which means that you won't be you you can come home, chill a little bit, and then go to sleep. If you've got to go finish work and then train, then you're sort of putting in a stimulus of like wakefulness before you go to sleep. Yeah. So yeah. if you can't, I mean, it is hard and like, but for, for most people as well, like not like sleep aside, training in the morning is probably going to like mean that you can make it more consistent because mm-hmm. like in the evening after work it's always going to be like social pressures or something's come up or you have to work late or you've got family commitment or whatever it is whereas the morning is pretty much your time mm-hmm. um, so yeah aside from sleep it's probably a good thing to try and put that in the morning definitely yeah come and join hybrid if you want yeah Hybrid small group. Yeah, if you're in Bristol, we offer lots of um, early morning training sessions. And we'll even get uh, a set of blue light glasses for um, for people. Should we ask Fretbox to install some um, daylight bulbs? We should definitely do that, actually, seeing as we're going to spend a lot of our time there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should. Maybe we should have a a special word that we'll mention now, and if people come up to us and say it, uh, and join small group PT, then... uh, they can get free, free blue, blue blocking glasses. That's a good idea. I thought you were going to say something like punch them in the face or scare them <laughs> to like give them a massive spike of cortisol early in the day. That's what we normally do. That would anchor the stadium with them quite nicely as well. <laughs> we'll dress up as saber-toothed tigers, so um, you have to run away, and it's as similar to caveman times as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wake up in the morning, exposed to blue light, 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 light. 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 And then run away from a blue, suit. Blue light? Yeah. <laughs> it's light? bright blue light. It's bright light. <laughs> um, and those are sort of, like, those, those are the main practical takeaways. Is basically, like, have a really, really, as much as possible, have consistent wake times and sleep times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, those other tips are sort of, you can use to anchor them, basically. Mm. Uh, so, like, Blue light blocks in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, bright light as much as possible in the day, and like a good level of activity and exercise again as early in the day as you can you can get. We've been through much yeah. on sleep hygiene. We haven't, apart from the blue light stuff. Mm. Yeah. So, so like um, your bedroom as well. You have a natural you your your core body temperature drops. Um, like another one of your circadian rhythms. Yeah, so part, so part of your circadian rhythm is like your core body temperature drops sort of in the evening. And you actually want to make sure that your room is pretty cold. Yeah. As a result Amy, of that. this is particularly for you. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go into your bedroom, I think it's like 19 degrees. Yeah. Which is pretty cool, really. I think it's actually um, cooler than that. Really? Page. I think it's like 17 is sick in my head for some reason. Um, it definitely which is, is really an odd number cool. close to 20 that's how yeah. I <laughs> well, so it's either yeah. 17 or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so this time of year is like great now because basically if you just leave like a window open in your room when you go in there it's perfect oh, so nice. I love getting into mm-hmm. a cold bed mm-hmm. uh, but in the summer just like get a fan and put it on in half an hour before you get into bed leave it on all night <laughs> 
because uh, it's just it, it, you want to have a cold room um, obviously like goes like saying like change your bed sheets regularly you want to have clean sheets um, yeah you want your bed to be like comfortable yeah, yeah. really comfortable and pitch black so even do you reckon we could get a hybrid partnered with um, some sort of mattress and bedding company that'd be great there is a cool mattress um, Lisa do a good mattress do they it comes delivered to your door and they sponsor uh, <laughs> that's where usually they deliver no such thing find. <laughs> no such thing as a fish do they so we yeah. ask they want to sponsor our podcast yeah that'd be nice we'll no. send them this episode yeah. so look we're trying to make everyone sleep so well yeah <laughs> should, we, should we promote them even before they sponsor us and then... mm. get a Lisa mattress yeah. I've never had one <laughs> but I'm selling that straight away yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah so you want to have a, a room as, as as dark as you possibly can and as not necessarily you want it to be as quiet as possible but for I mean that that, that, that might not be an option so uh get some like nice air plugs that are comfortable um, like silicone ones are pretty um, are pretty nice uh, or just like have a, a constant sound so it could be like a white noise sound or like a, yeah. a fan like have a sound that is consistent that's like obviously not too loud but that could basically like drown out if you live on a main road um, the sound of cars going by or whatever there's um, I can't remember what book I was reading but one guy said the, the, the author said he used to live on a main road, and every three minutes there would be it was a really busy main road. Um, he only lived like forty meters from some traffic lights, so every three minutes there would be quite loud car traffic because they'd be stopped at the lights yeah. and tailed back. And he said it was the most awful. Um, point of his life ever because he just like was getting bad sleep consistently every night uh, so you should have got some earphones I reckon I think it was the happiness yeah. hypothesis it was the happiness hypothesis you're right it's the only book all three yeah. of us have listened to in the last month excellent book by the way yeah, very doesn't good book, actually yeah. talk about sleep that much but was mm. an excellent book it's yeah. a very, very good book <laughs> but yeah so just you definitely want to if, if you are living in a place that's, that, that, that is live just get some earplugs and put on a consistent noise yeah yeah, probably should help quite a lot. Definitely. Um, and the other thing is almost like setting up a sort of like a routine around going to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm quite like anal. I'm sleep Hitler. Yeah. But but <laughs> like when it comes to getting into bed, I tend to put on a nasal strip. I'll take a little bit of melatonin, which we will talk about now, uh, about whether or not that's actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. But I'll take melatonin, get into bed, read a chapter of my book, and like that's what I tend to do most mm-hmm. nights so I actually find it relatively easy to get to sleep because yeah. it's the same thing at pretty much the same time every night um, so it absolutely doesn't have to be that sleep routine there's probably nothing special about any of the particular things I do it's just that it's just when, when, once I start doing that I'm, I'm going to bed yeah and it's, it, it, the, the other thing is like your bed needs to be a place where you sleep um, you have sex you like to have sex yeah routine. but like you just want to make sure it's a place where you sleep and it's not um, a place where you sort of like get ready to go to sleep yeah because reading like reading in bed is is, is, is completely fine um, but you probably don't want to ha- be like having tea in bed do you know what I mean like you, you, might, you might get uh, just oh, I'm going to get to bed so I'm, so I'm already there so that I'm going to go to sleep earlier it's like you probably don't want to do that as soon as you um, like are ready for bed showered and whatever else have a routine 
that puts you in bed where at, when almost when you're ready to go to when you're ready to go to sleep. So that reading a chapter of your book is like sort of like just sitting in bed for five or ten minutes, which is making you tired to go to sleep, and then you're pretty much yeah, asleep. Yeah, yeah. It's not a I'm going to go reread my book in bed to try and get sleepy. Yeah. It's like you know, it's this time to go. I've already made myself sleepy by limiting blue light by um, sort of like doing all those other bits first and then it's bedtime as opposed to I'm going to bed to become sleepy. So it might be worth if you know that you want to read for half an hour, let's say, read for 20 minutes downstairs or not in bed and then the last 10 minutes in bed um, because if you're associate, what you don't want to do is associate your bed without, with not, not with sleep and so the more time you spend in bed not asleep the more you don't associate your bed with just like being asleep. And as a result of that, the harder it is to fall asleep. And so on that topic, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you cannot go back to sleep, it is a very good idea to remove yourself from the bedroom um, and go and do like something menial like downstairs, whether it's fucking like just reading downstairs or like just keep obviously keeping the lights basically off, just waiting until you feel that sort of like that sleep pressure again, that tiredness, and then go back to bed rather than sitting in bed, tossing and turning, getting frustrated that you can't sleep. Because yeah. that, done consistently, will probably mean that you do consistently wake up at a certain time in the night and then you can't go back to sleep and you'll build that habit, which is obviously, you're doing, because that is like really frustrating, like we haven't even touched on sleep disorders, yeah. but like you can't even imagine how, how frustrating that would be. Like doing everything and then just like waking up and not being able to go back to sleep would be fucking horrible yeah, yeah. and I've got just that's the thing is like we we don't have you were saying like the answers to a lot mm-hmm. of like people do have pressures on their time so that, that make it really really hard and these aren't the answers to that these this is more for if you're just one of those people that is almost stealing your own sleep time mm-hmm. um, like choosing to watch an episode extra of like your programme choosing to just lie in bed and scroll your phone and then wondering why you can't get to sleep and feel a bit of shit in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what this stuff is for, really. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously they're like their sleep disorders and people that have other demands on their time that might sort of demand like more specialist uh, solutions to, to it. But yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not what we're really talking about. Mm-hmm. It's more just a habitual approach to getting yeah. and it's and something that, like, a bit better sleep. Even all of us as, as sort of anal as we are with our sleep, could actually still do better when, when, oh, once you realise how important sleep actually is. Definitely. Like, I try to be as on it as possible with sleep, but I still don't quite get seven hours most mm-hmm. nights. Mm-hmm. Like, it is really hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you touch on melatonin? Yeah, because I take it every night as part of my sleep routine. So, melatonin, like we mentioned last week, is the sort of... Um... Tom, do you want to give your wonderful analogy again? <laughs> the one that I told him off for <laughs> well everyone seemed to hate it so much I don't know if I do to be fair no, you yeah. do. They, they, they all want to hear it again it's like a race official <laughs> um, getting everyone to the line and then doing the gun to get the, Bang! the race started <laughs> get me therapy yeah. <laughs> right fuckers um, yeah, sleep being a race is a bad analogy. Yeah, don't use the this. other part of the analogy <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> uh, so melatonin sort of acts as um, the switch to turn on sleepiness almost. Yeah. Your body releases it, and then that, that causes a cascade of other things to happen, which essentially mean that you become sleepy. It helps initiate the onset of sleep rather than keeping you asleep, yeah. which um, is part of the reason it's used so widely as like... Um, 
as sleep medication uh, for because it, it it absolutely does initiate the onset of sleep. What it does not do though is keep you asleep. Yeah. So you can use melatonin for like to your advantage really, 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 really well because it does not at the right dosage. You only really need like half a milligram. It should not make you drowsy in the morning. Um, it should just act as that sort of trigger to initiate the onset of sleep. And it does not, taking melatonin does not inhibit your own production of melatonin. So it's not like some drugs where you take it and it will stop yourself producing that producing that hormone later on. That does not happen, so you do not build addiction to melatonin in that respect. So let's say we were speaking earlier about trying to anchor your circadian rhythm and getting up earlier um, to try and make yourself tired earlier. You can use melatonin for that same purpose. Let's say your normal sleep time is 10 o'clock. Um, so you normally go to sleep at um, 10. And you're trying to bring that forward. You're trying to bring that forward. You can absolutely use melatonin, let's say, an hour before that um, to try and bring that sleep time to sort of like 9.30. And that may not seem, sound like much, but you know we, we, yeah. we've already said that if you're not making those, as if you're, if you're losing out on time in bed, you can't really get it back. So actually that, that half an hour might be the sort of all, all you need. So you could use it for that instance. Um, to try and shift your sleep time to earlier. And it might even be the case that once you've done that for a week or so, you don't need melatonin anymore. I suspect that you take melatonin... Um, Almost and, entirely as a... As a habitual like thing there. And if you didn't, you would really struggle to think that you could sleep afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So that is something to be aware of. If you are going to go down that route, um, we're definitely not advising that you necessarily do that. That's not what we're saying. But like, if that, that, that could be something that be, could be beneficial... In some cases, um, just be aware that you're not because the placebo effect of melatonin is actually is probably as useful as the melatonin itself. Um, we know that the placebo effect for anything is just like brilliant. <laughs> so, um, if you are going to go down that route, you probably want to make sure that your thought processes I'm just going to use this to try and shift my mm. sleep time to a bit earlier for a week and then stop taking it yeah. um, rather than just taking it because if you do take it for let's say two to four weeks straight you actually won't have a physiological addiction to it at all but you may well be psychologically addicted in terms of thinking that you need it to initiate that onset of sleepiness um, and that would not necessarily be even but it wouldn't necessarily even be a bad thing but there's no doubt that like you, if you can do it um Drug free is probably better. Yeah. Um, just just because you haven't got that sort of like that thought that right, I you... wasn't gonna enter any natty sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like if you haven't got it one night, yeah, then no, you, it definitely does make a difference. Then you probably yeah, like, oh shit, sleeping. I can't sleep tonight, and it's like it's, you know you, you probably are in, in in a position now where you could um, wean myself off it, or just not use it yeah. um, for sure. But it's part of that habit. Like, what do you take now? Half a, half a tab? Oh, like a quarter tab. Okay, yeah. I think even if the dosing on the um, bottle is right, which apparently is likely to be wildly inaccurate, yeah. I have like uh, 0.3 yeah, yeah. milligram. Yeah. So yeah, so I just, you don't, you really don't need, melatonin is like an on-off switch. You either have, you, you do take it and you either have enough and that causes the cascade um, or you don't. You More than... Um, you know, like half a milligram, maybe even a quarter of a milligram in some cases for some small people, um, is absolutely not better and absolutely will make you more tired in the morning. So you definitely don't want to be doing, like, there's just no need to take a lot, uh, like a high dose. Yeah. 
when it is particularly useful though um, and would recommend it for is if you're like travelling and you're going to have uh, like a significant amount of jet lag mm-hmm. it'd be really really useful for sort of trying to trying to uh, reset your skin with it as quickly as possible so when you are travelling actually that's a really really good point um, <coughs> a couple of things you definitely want to do if you're going away for um, even if it's just a short duration of time whatever um, time you land in as soon as you get on the plane that's probably the time that you want to be you want to be working in so let's say that you're going from um, London to New York um, and it's an overnight flight and it lands in the morning New York time do not do your absolute best I know it's really boring on a plane to not eat on that on that flight because you don't want to be eating during your new night time because that's going to make it harder for you to anchor that rhythm in the morning whereas if you take some melatonin have some um, some uh, really good earplugs have an eye mask get on the plane um, have some melatonin like just half an hour before you're going to go to sleep sleep throughout the night of what would be the night in New York despite the fact that it's only like 2 o'clock or whatever in the afternoon UK time um, do your absolute best to set it up so you can do that and obviously it's not just so easy again but if you can sort of treat that as your night time um, then you'll have a much better chance of getting used to that new circadian rhythm in like US time or New York time a lot easier and you'll also have um, like much better sort of like glucose control and or glucose tolerance all that sort of stuff uh, as a result of not eating through your new night time uh, so yeah so just like Really easy practical recommendations, half a milligram melatonin, um, a eye mask and some earplugs. Half an hour before you want to sleep over on the overnight flight or, or and at the time that would be night time in the place that you're landing is a really good way to try and get used to that new uh, light and dark cycle as early as possible because you're going to feel fucked anyway. So you want to do your absolute best to try and not feel completely fucked. For sure. And last practical take-home, actually sort of ties on to our first point, really, um, about not being able to catch up with sleep, but is naps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Naps. Oh, yeah. about naps. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't Um, do this and not talk about naps. Could not. How... uh, So, we spoke last week about the natural dip in energy levels um, in the sort of, like, mid-afternoon or afternoon. So... That could be because humans were actually designed, well, designed or like what was selected for naturally. Evolved. Evolved for. Uh, Ali hasn't had a religious epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly start believing in the creator. That's true. Maybe, maybe there is. Um, biophasic sleep, so, so two separate sleeping cycles throughout the day. And you see that in some, um, in some cultures. And actually, you know, it's actually quite prevalent in the blue zones. Yeah. Um, so the blue zones are five. We spoke about the blue zones on this podcast before. No. So five regions um, across the world where people fucking don't die. <laughs> yeah. Consistently have like the best health out- outcomes. Like they just live till they're yeah. well old and they're really happy. Yeah, and not <laughs> just live till they're well old. They actually have like really really good mm-hmm. quality of life mm-hmm. much later in life than yeah. other areas. So there's like a, uh, there's a place in Greece, a place in Italy, something near yeah. Italy, there's a place in Japan. Um, and there's two more places yeah. and I always forget the particular. and they basically have lots of um, things like really really in common with each mm-hmm. other 
So some of those things are uh, they have a really, really um, intertwined family life. Mm-hmm. So like grandma and grandpa take care of um, like the baby. Or like uh, when they're quite young and mum and dad oh, still and still live at home yeah. quite often and mum and dad and mum and dad still work yeah. and like um, they have loads of exposure to light because they live in places that are really warm yeah um, so they're outside really regularly like shared meal times and stuff absolutely so they have a, um, a lot of their meals are, are sh- that are done socially so they just like have loads of interaction with their nearest and dearest um, and they sleep really really well which is obviously excellent yeah. but a lot of the, in a Maybe lot of we cases we could do a trilogy actually on the blue zones we could hmm. do a trilogy on the blue zones in a lot of in, in a lot of cases they they have a, um, a siesta in the afternoon so they, they have a normal uh, sleep cycle in the evening and then or sleep in the evening and then in the middle afternoon they sleep as well uh, and you know a lot of, they do a lot of things really really well yeah, just yeah. naturally but potentially that is something that they Another thing that is sort of contributing to it. Yeah. So maps, should we do them? Um, yes. Probably. If you can nap, it's almost certainly a good idea to nap. There, so naps might not be a good idea. If we cover why naps mm-hmm. might not be a good idea initially. Um, if you struggle to get into bed in the evening. So. Um, and like actually getting to sleep is quite hard for you. Yeah. Potentially, it might not be a good idea to nap because, like we spoke about, sleep pressure building throughout the day uh, last week. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're napping in the in the day, that's going to sort of uh, curtail that a little bit. I mean, you don't have quite as much sleep pressure going into the evening. So, if you're finding it hard to get a consistent bedtime and get to bed on time, then for now at least, naps are probably not going to be a good idea for you. Mm-hmm. And especially later in the day. Yeah. So if you're finding that you're um, falling asleep let's say for example you get home at 5 o'clock and you just sit on the sofa and you nap for 20 minutes yeah. that's probably a terrible idea if you're already struggling it might, might not even be a good idea if, you're, if, you, if you sleep fairly really well yeah. um, because, it, because at that sort of time um, it's going to like I said reduce the amount of sleep pressure that's already built so that you have less sleep pressure at the correct time to go to sleep so you're not going to be able to go to sleep so easily and thus you'll actually eat into the total amount of sleep you're going to get that evening. Um, but if that's not you yeah, uh, and you're able to, so like we were talking about that um, that natural slump in your like your skating rhythm uh, is, is like generally between like half 12 and 3 o'clock I think mm-hmm. um, for most people depending on like your career yeah. that we talked about last week. But it's generally within that sort of window um, so if you're able to take a nap at that point and you don't struggle getting to bed in the evening, that is probably an excellent idea. For sure. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to know exactly the right amount of time as well that you should be napping for. So there's it some... what you're doing after as well, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Like if, if, if it's literally like a nap and you're going to go back to work or you need to do something after, then you obviously you probably don't want to go for like a full sleep cycle for like... Yeah an hour or upwards because you don't want to be feeling groggy and having to wake up fully so you probably haven't got time yeah in, exactly. in, in, in a lot of cases um, so if, you, if you've not really got um, time 20 minutes is probably great uh, some there are some ever, there's some data actually on a caffeine nap so you, you, you'd have like a, a coffee um, and then try and go to sleep immediately bear in mind the half of caffeine is like half an um, sorry the Caffeine will reach peak concentrations about thirty to sixty minutes after being consumed. 
So that 30 minute time is kind of going to act like an alarm clock for you. Um, we know that caffeine basically stops you sleeping. So if you can, um, you get really tired, have a quick coffee, then just let yourself go to sleep. It's not going to be for about half an hour until that caffeine kicks in, wakes you up, and probably you would have got in that sort of region of like 20-ish minutes, which would be a really good amount of time to nap for. Um, whereas if you've got more time, um, likely an hour, like an hour and a half worth of time, trying to get a full cycle of um, sleep in would be excellent, and no doubt the best of all scenarios. And, that is, and that's what they do in... in um, countries where they have a siesta they have a full sleep cycle in the afternoon um and just like a later bedtime in the evening and there was um one study done in uh greece because obviously greece have always traditionally had a siesta yeah uh but um their government decided that they wanted to try and cut that so that they could um be more productive and 500 people were, were studied during this period and their health markers like went to fucking shit as a result of having their siesta taken away. They went from because essentially they probably served the same sort of like nighttime sleeping, uh, so they were losing an hour and a half, two hours of sleep per day, and um, they had a sixty-six percent increased chance of like um, contract well coronary heart disease, um, much higher prevalence of type two diabetes. Uh, heart attacks skyrocketed it's just like unbelievably clear that they were really really healthy by having their siesta and then just when they lost that just like their body just really really all their bodies just basically collapsed it's savage pretty savage isn't it mm. it is it is uh, nuts though isn't it how uh, how the whole like um, sort of like western or built up world is just like so accepting of the loss of so much sleep yeah, uh, yeah. It's unbelievable how, just like take it, this thing that is like so unbelievably important for your overall health, and you just like let it get. Well, the thing is, I suppose we, we didn't necessarily know like how important it was, mm-hmm. um, and apart from like feeling a bit tired and like if you literally lose like almost a whole night's sleep, you feel terrible, don't mm-hmm. you? And it's like obviously you sort of intuitively know that's bad, but like you don't really like it's so. Um, it's so easy to like to like get five or six hours sleep and think that that's normal and not not feel like that acutely bad if you're used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so until we like, but now we know literally how how bad it is for you not to sleep. Um, like a lot of the a lot of the habits we have now in like the Western world are sort of from a time when we didn't necessarily know that yeah ha- like how much damage we were doing to ourselves, but we we know now, um, and that's why unfortunately we're sort of like fighting against the, yeah, a load sort of, of habits that we've developed when we didn't know how bad it was. Yeah, yeah savage really. Like, if you think about a teenagers, so obviously a circadian rhythm is person um, person dependent, but it's also age dependent as well. So like we know that as you get to your teenage years, your um, desires to go to bed become later. So your circadian rhythm sort of shifts to more of an owl. Yeah. And so, and and you also need a bit more sleep as a teenager. So often teenagers are staying up a little bit later than their parents are because their parents want to go to sleep earlier. They don't want to go to sleep so early, and then they want to stay in bed later, and they really need to stay in bed later. But their wake time for school is still too early for them, really. And then your mum and dad get 
well annoyed at them for going to bed late when like they just it's like asking them to go to bed at seven o'clock and they just wouldn't do it so it should be like well, no way yeah um, but so there's no doubt that hopefully over the next sort of like 10, 20 years schools should really pick up on this and be like okay we need to have a, a system in place where people the kids who are sort of like 14 to maybe like GCSEs and sixth form kids need to have a an, an, an ability to sleep in later because it will literally make them healthy, more, more healthier, more productive, and more able to learn shit at school. Which is like really, it's just it's just crazy that like all this data is there and there's no there's nothing that happens to try and like help help this issue. Yeah. But they literally like it's it's mental. They just don't whole school shouldn't start for teenagers really until ten eleven o'clock. In the afternoon, in the, in, in the morning, but then that obviously means that it's just like teachers need to be in school longer and like yeah, it's like quite impractical to actually implement that mm-hmm. probably. But like it's but it's it's it sort of needs to happen at some point. Like it's almost as though like schools could like if if you could design it now, you'd be like okay. From I think if you design it now, group, like, a lot about the education mm, system would be very very different. Yeah. Yeah. But you can I mean you could yeah. like group um, up to year nine as like early education. Yeah. And then sort of like 10 onwards would be like almost at like different schools. Yeah. 10, 11, 12, 13 could almost be a different school where they literally start at like 10 a.m. Uh, one other thing we haven't spoken about in terms of uh, sleep um, and one that probably like a lot of people, I think we haven't spoken about it actually because it's something that we would never even consider doing, mm-hmm. but it's probably very, very common and that's drinking in the week. Mm. Like alcohol is a will ruin your sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, might make you feel like it's a little bit easier to get to sleep, um, but it will, in like no uncertain terms, you you will find it. You'll do like nowhere near as much time in REM sleep. Yeah. So so bad. don't drink basically. Yeah, bad for REM sleep. Uh, will will fully fuck your sleep up. Again, yeah. one of those things like if you choose to have a drink. Do like, you know that's why it's so bad for pregnant women mm-hmm. to drink? Because yeah, the REM sleep is obviously massively important yeah, yeah, for yeah. babies' brain development. Yeah. And if um, women drink, then while they're pregnant, then it goes into obviously the baby, and the baby's REM sleep is impaired. Yeah. Uh, especially when they're spending all their time. Yeah. yeah. Sleeping. That's really interesting. Same with breastfeeding mums. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch your breastfeeding, uh, if you've got a blood alcohol level point eight, so is your milk. <laughs> As. And it um, really impairs their ability yeah, to get yeah. REM sleep, which um, has a massive impact yeah, on, their, yeah, yeah. on their development. That's really interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, so maybe we should have spoken about that a bit more because that's actually quite an important one. But, yeah, um, it is really, really important. That's one of the few things we're not guilty of. Is yeah, that's true. It's really, yeah, you just sort of forget that people actually but just that's drink actually in the like week. such a yeah. common thing that people um, sort of drink. And, like, they, they do it as a way to help them de-stress and mm-hmm. get I mean, to sleep, which yeah. is, like, that's the... Like the difficulty with it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that, that's why having like building some new sleep routines can actually be like quite helpful to combat things like coming home and opening a bottle of wine, just being like that a habit as much yeah. as anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's gone on quite a long time, so we will round up all of those points that we've made uh, in the podcast description, um, as opposed to go through them all now because I think there's been quite a lot of them. But essentially, try and go to bed at the same time every night. Don't drink alcohol. 
Don't drink alcohol if you're pregnant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you didn't know. Don't drink too uh, much caffeine as well. If, if anything, that's one positive I've got from doing these podcasts is I've dropped my caffeine consumption down quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> uh, try and get as much natural light exposure in the day as possible. Um, and no blue or bright lights at all in the evening. Uh, but we'll sort of we'll round up everything we've been through in the podcast description. And thank you very, very much for listening if you've actually made it through the whole trilogy. Uh, I don't know if that finale was exciting enough for you. We wrapped up all the plot ends. Um, if not, send us any questions that you might have and maybe we'll do a... Um, like a director's special uh, where we answer your questions Um, extended cut and as always thank you so 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 much if you think there's anyone who uh, could tolerate listening to us and would benefit from um, any of this then we'd love if you could share it with them Uh, and it is very very helpful if you can leave us a lovely review on iTunes yeah thank you so much for listening please and thank you thank you have an excellent week bye bye I'm waving at the camera the uh, mic bye